0: No, no, no!
1: Sure.
0: no! Sure. Ah! <laughs> oh, you
2: Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS 80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. <laughs>
3: Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calore computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock.
1: Coco Talk
0: is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame
1: alive. We
0: may be mocked, but we'll never stop. Cause Coco Talk is rocking the 8.
4: in the tandy
1: flame alive we may be mocked but we will never stop because cookbook talk is rockin' the big (laughs) world
5: down yeah We got a gray screen.
0: Kimurai says, Ooh, nice shade of gray.
2: You want the gallery view, right?
6: Nothing like testing it live. Demi-O-V says, I know, I know. Trap shop Live says, No, that's cricket. Demo Scene Television says, Amigab, shears Amigab, shears
7: Oh. oh well, then just turn off the share. And <laughs> uh,
8: we're back to the gallery gallery view on
0: line. Okay,
7: that sucks. Better.
9: Hi, glad to be here.
1: We are here, right? Okay. (laughs)
2: Howdy, folks.
1: Hello,
8: everybody.
2: Sloopy is muted. The chat says.
8: No, just you've you muted
1: yourself on the stream. Oh.
0: Oh, that's why. How's that? Is that better? Okay, people in the chat, can you hear Sloopy now? Can you hear me now? Not the wait just a 10-second delay just- or whatever.
8: Be wary of what you wish for because you're going to be able to hear Sloopy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay,
10: we'll try this again. Should I uh, redo the top row? Of course, because uh, well, as
0: soon as we get get confirmation that they're hearing it here, because somebody
8: said better. I don't know if that
0: sixty said there's lots of background noise.
10: Okay, Hmm. bring this down a little
0: bit. All right, how's that? Is that better? Waiting for the chat response. Our right, apologies. Hear you so we through, a I supposed to be kind of subbing in here because Mark's on the road. So, yeah, yeah. So I'm this very, is all I'm
8: Mark's fault.
2: I'm filling in for Jason Riker today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, Jim Rye says it sounds fine now. So yeah, I would start over the introduction because I didn't hear a darn little <laughs> bit. Where's
10: right. your
9: dash cam, Mark? Mm.
10: Just to confuse everyone, we're going to stop it. Start in the top right, and this we time have, with feeling. Yes, with feeling. We have the man, the myth, the only man that's allowed to talk to the Coco Talk Game On High uh, Council, Canadian Retro Things. Hi, Ken.
8: Hello, everybody, again.
10: And then <laughs> next to him, we have the Master of Communications on the Coco, Rick Euland. Hi, Rick. Howdy, folks. We had one of these. Very started. I'm ready The fire. And Top left We have The apple guy himself Marco
9: Yeah who's that guy to the right of me Glad to be here
10: Oh no that's just a court jester we ignore him oh, okay. Carriage return Line feed we come down and we have The man behind Everything Mr. Terry Steggy. Hi
11: Terry. Oh, and we're in trouble if that's the case. <laughs> Welcome
9: everybody. Push the button, Terry.
11: Yeah. <laughs> Next over,
10: we have the uh, the great manipulator of bits, the programmer himself, Mr. Fred Provancha. Hi, Fred. Hello everyone. And now um we- Yeah. Glad to <laughs> glad to see you all. Glad well, you're here. Glad you're here. Then after that, we have the great manipulator of bits so that we can get this thing running. The man who knows OS 9 better than everyone here,
0: L. Curtis Boyle. Hi, Curtis. Welcome to the show, everyone. Now, I did get a mention here from Sixty, so there's lots of echo or bright sound for me. I've never been called bright before, so I'm not sure what that means, but, but <laughs> is anybody else hearing this? Supposed <laughs> brightness on my behalf?
2: Back off the OBS a little bit, the sound on OBS. And it'll de-brighten that song.
0: Okay. Let's try that. I've never been accused of being bright before. It just kind of shocked me. It's just
2: that when the Zoom's playing, sometimes it's a little hot in OBS compared to what it is in Zoom.
10: Ah. Well, this is a dress rehearsal, isn't it?
2: Right, right.
10: And then the last and the second row... Is the man that comes from the garage and shows mm-hmm. us all the good stuff, Ron Delvo? Hey,
12: Ron. Hello, everybody. How you doing?
10: Then we do a, a carriage return, line feed, and we have the man that does a lot, but no one uh, really knows it. It's like that guy down that's buried down in the credits, Exile in mm-hmm. Paradise, Alan. Hey, Alan
7: hey they let me on the show check this out
10: hey they let me <laughs> run the show come on I mean I'm all I of course I'm gonna let but, all but the, we're uh, saying there's been bad, bad decisions all around
7: right <laughs> yeah I think you need to change the password <laughs> it worked
1: for me <laughs> <laughs>
10: next another cohort in crime James Diffendaffer. hey James Oh, this is going to be a fun day. <laughs> and it's not even a Sunday. <clears throat> then, after that, is our original game on uh, man himself, Nick Marota. Hey, Nick.
2: Hello, everybody. Glad to be
8: here. You have to say Nick's name three times.
10: Nick Marota, Nick Marota, Nick Marota
8: that's better there, there we go. Should,
1: yeah. <laughs> Thank you
10: Ken we can retire
6: bad <laughs> jokes with
10: with yeah anyway yeah I, I thought we've heard that one or one once or twice too many maybe thrice
8: <laughs> yeah but Nick's Canadian he he just likes to hear his name on live broadcasts we all do cele- from cele- oh. internet celebrities as yourselves
10: Ken okay <laughs> I understand what you're saying Ken. Ken, we will take care of it so that we can so that we can say your name often. Words. Okay, Ken? Perfect.
11: <laughs>
13: the telephone pole looks like a biggest
10: dance. Can do. <laughs> <laughs> and last on this line, we have the man whose chair that I'm filling. Unfortunately, what I'm filling with, you don't want to know. Mark B. Hey, Mark B. <laughs>
2: Hello. Burn a hole
0: down the turnpike where these telephone
10: poles look like a picket fence. Oof. Well, don't hit them. We don't need a picket line.
0: So, Sloopy, I don't know if you know how to fix this or not, but the comments I've been seeing in the chat from 6C and uh, Mikey has basically said, to be honest, that bright sound is everyone except Sloopy, seemingly. So I'm not Mm. sure if that helps narrow down what's causing it. It's got to be
9: something from Zoom coming into OBS.
10: All right. I turned it down a little bit more um let's see how that works <clears>
0: Okay, <throat> yeah, we'll have to rely on the chat here because we, we don't hear the same thing we're hearing the zoom side of things which sounds fine
10: right
13: all right we're so going to do technically a- the
8: brightest panel we've ever had <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's a way to put a positive
9: spin on it
10: <laughs> hey, we gotta do on. Something. all right we're going to do a, ca- uh, a carriage return without a line feed this time and we're going to go all the way down under to uh the man who uh, gives us the great games, Nick Marentis. Greetings, Nick.
13: Hey, oh, that's my cue to wake up? Okay. Uh, good day, everyone.
10: And good day to you, too, Nick. And then, uh, last but not least, we have the star of the show, the man, the myth, the legend, David Ladd. Hey, Dave.
1: Really? Dave? Hello everyone, I hope
0: everybody's having a good day This is going to be one of the greatest clusters we've had yet So be prepared, (laughs)
1: we're ready, let's have some
0: fun
10: What kind of cluster is that? Yeah, people
6: Uh, needed to
8: hear the
0: pre-game show to
8: (laughs) understand (laughs) It's
7: a fluster cluck
0: yeah, still getting the same <laughs> symptoms on the stream too. So we just you know, so apparently it's not just the volume level. It's causing. Um Maybe there's a filter on the audio that I don't
10: have installed in OBS or something, or I don't know.
0: So for the chat, I, I, I mean, hopefully we're still understandable. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey. as much as we ever are.
10: As as long as they can hear everyone and we've got audio, I'm not going to complain. Uh so. yeah. As
0: long as I can understand this, then I'm. I don't. I don't know what to do to fix it either. So, not my job. <laughs> Justin Larson said it's like V, and Sleepy's the only non-alien. Are y'all you? Remember the VTV show? Yeah.
10: <laughs> so, let's get this uh, show rolling downhill, and uh, let's uh, go go right into the uh, high score challenge.
8: Welcome to the Coco Nation Game On Challenge of the Week results video. This week we played Able Builders. We had a total of 17 players David Ladd with 820, Sab Head 1790, Canadian Retro Things 2750, Exile in Paradise 4040, Nine Finger Tom 4140, Justin Larson, 9720. Terry Steen, 9790. Shenley, 9940. Jim Rye, 10,330. Bacon Fire Bob, 10,690. We had a tie for sixth place between Mr. Dave6309 and Rich N with 11,280. Ed Rhodes, 12,790. Tasman, 13,050. Sloopy Malibu, 68,030. And we had a tie for first place, so the number one spot this week is shared between Buck Owens and Brian Walsh with 105,670. Thanks, everybody that played. We will see you again next week. So a huge uh, variation in scores there. You can tell by the top people who were using paddles and the lower people were using joysticks. And here is some footage of Buck Owens um, playing, yeah, on the higher levels. So, uh, yeah, I guess he had to work hard to get that to tie for first place. But,
7: yep. <laughs> So it's, uh, with with the, the first, first where the, the high score number one has been a tie? Yes.
8: I know Like Buck intended to do that. Uh, Brian Walsh originally tried to uh, tie Buck's score, but he accidentally went over by a little bit, so Buck played <laughs>
0: again and uh, tied the score up. That's the first time I've heard, heard, ever heard of anybody accidentally trying to beat Buck Owens. <laughs> or to, to not beat Buck Owens, I should say. <laughs>
8: But, um, yeah, so I couldn't find any reviews for this game. Um, this was, I think, Curtis, you said this was one that was uh, a magazine game include with, included with the tape.
0: Oh, sorry, sorry, what was
8: that? Um, you said that this was one of the games that you got with when you bought a magazine on a tape? Yeah, T D magazine. T&D magazine, right. So, but I didn't see any reviews for it, so, uh,
0: yeah. No, Rainbow usually did not review any any Games from any particular like Chromoset or TND or any of the other tape based magazines. Because um, that was just considered a, a, a kind of a competitor, a competitor magazine just done on tape format. Because mm-hmm. they had basic program listings and tutorials and everything else, just like a magazine did. So they didn't review any of them. Um, if it was exclusive to a, a subscription based tape magazine, they didn't cover them. The only time you ever saw games covered is if they bought the rights to a company that was going out of business, like you know when they bought Tom Mixer Spectral and they started selling, you know donkey king is on issue 82 of tnd or whatever type thing
8: anyways um as i alluded to uh some people that had built paddles for their uh color computers were able to get much higher scores in this game i know sloopy you're one of the people that built a paddle actually live on the air during the uh game on challenge <laughs> night
0: yep. Did he stream the actual building
8: no, he didn't stream it, but we ah, heard some colorful language about it. trying to find some stuff <laughs> to do with. Lost opportunity
10: there. Yeah, it's, I just streamed my audio. I didn't.
0: No one So we, we don't me. actually know if you really made a pad, was what you're telling us.
10: Oh, I actually showed it.
0: Would you like to see it? it? Yeah, but it was... you could have had it done already, and then you just showed it. Yeah,
8: wow. I don't know that yeah, need um, to make it. I don't think Sloopy's that good of an actor on some of his language <laughs> while he was trying to make it.
7: If you heard it live the first three times, before it worked, yeah. <laughs>
10: <laughs> yeah, here this here it is. If you can see my video, nobody else can. But no, because uh, oh yeah, you've got uh, video sharing.
1: There,
8: I will stop the share. There, enough of, enough of Buck Owens. Psh, yeah. It's always buck Owens, buck Owens, buck Owens during this thing.
10: <laughs> yeah, and Here's the controller. I actually used a uh, IEC cable from a uh, Commodore 64 this drive because hey, they've got to be useful for something. And
9: and they have the right number of pins.
10: Yeah, and right the connector right. fits. That's why the uh, Commodore 64 was made so that we can have uh, joystick connections. Uh, uh, cables, and then that's where I soldered them together and just threw a piece of tape on there so that I wouldn't have any uh, shorts. But it worked pretty well. So. Back to you, Ken.
8: Oh, okay. Um, so, tips and tricks for the game. Um,
10: I would say don't I sucked
8: be... At, I really sucked at it, so I don't have any tips or tricks for the game.
10: Yeah. <laughs> You uh, seem to go to the next level by getting the, uh, the, the, what's the name of the person dropping the rivets? Your foreman. Yeah, the foreman. You seem to get to the next level by getting the foreman all the way to the top by catching all the rivets. And it seems that not catching all the rivets uh, allows you to stay at the same level. But obviously, once you get to level 15, the speed doesn't change, so it doesn't really make much difference. Mm-hmm. Um. One thing I did notice is that higher, uh, once you got past like level ten, twelve, it was much easier than it was like on the lower levels. Um, I actually got as high as the uh, as the other ones, but because I didn't, st- I started on level fifteen and not level five, I didn't submit it because it wasn't officially uh,
3: according to the rules.
8: <laughs> well, I think uh, actually. Um, as long as you don't start on a lower level submitting a score um, that you start on a higher level probably is okay. I mean, you're starting from a harder point, so well, not on most games. Okay, never mind. Forget that I said anything. I'm just rambling.
10: Yeah.
0: Um, Anybody else
8: that played this game have any tips or tricks for it?
0: Are there a pad or an analog free floating joystick is the only way to play this game? Yeah, you can't play it with a digital joystick, because... And you can't play with auto-centering, even if it's analog. Not yeah. well, anyway.
8: Um, yeah. The author, the author of the game actually did submit a score as well. I was hoping he'd pop by the stream, but unfortunately it doesn't sound like
0: Terry got a chance to it.
8: No, I guess he's working on something right now that, uh is taking up most of his time, so. Although he did, I think I read some in one of the posts that he's planning on revisiting some of his games after he's done whatever project he's working on.
10: Mm Mm-hmm. So. Alright, is that uh,
7: Give any clues as to what he's working on? (coughs) That would be on the Discord. I don't
0: have time to check for 5,000 channels, so what did he say?
7: (laughs) Um, that would be on the Discord. It's kind of one of those go see it on the Discord things.
0: Okay, well at least what channel is it on? Uh,
7: that would be a clue. Ask me on the Discord.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I still have rights to the Discord, right? I can delete a bunch of channels and narrow this down?
7: Yes. Yeah.
8: <laughs> well, Ellen, you can go find uh, which um, channel that was in and let us know so everybody can go look. It's interesting.
1: mm-hmm.
12: And you say that was on Discord? Yeah.
7: it is. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just search for Terry in the corner and mm-hmm. jump right to it. Are you saying you we need to put, put someone, someone in the corner? <laughs> Besides me? No.
10: Uh, they're saying that there's... Um, that there's Echo... Can you still hear the echo now?
0: Yeah, you muted earlier, and it said they still heard it then, so it's not bleed in from your monitor. Did you change the setting? You found or? I turned my zoom volume
10: down a little bit because it might be it, the outside possibility of it feedback through my microphone. But if it's if my uh, but when I said if it's not, when I said is the the uh, do you still hear the echo now? No one said anything to be able to test it. So, oh. can you is still s-
8: sloopy the echoing, or is it uh, everybody know, else but sloopy? All
10: right, can you hear the echo now? And people on the panel talk while I while I shut up. Okay, test two one two three
12: something.
10: Just just
8: talk a little bit. Just okay, you? we're talking. Oh. Does anybody
9: Hello, hello, will you be there?
8: I don't know. I'm talking. <coughs> Ooh, <What>? some
2: calls. <laughs> Should we all go to Discord?
0: Jim Rice says that's better. Okay. Jim said it's better. Everyone but Okay.
10: Yeah, it's basically echoing through my microphone here. I'll change that a little bit. Uh
0: Say well, hey, better it's better now. So,
10: so. You, know, you don't have headphones, a hey? stiffer earbuds, or something? I uh, I can't. I I'm partially deaf, and if I I have my I have earphones, but I can't hear out of them. They don't turn up loud enough because they give you warnings. Hey, you're gonna go deaf. I'm already deaf. <laughs> Too late.
1: <laughs>
8: well, here, let me finish the job. Yeah. Oh, and hey, I <laughs> see that uh, John Schaller has just joined us.
0: Yes. Hey, everybody. Welcome, John of the Coco Show.
8: Hello. <laughs> and hey, some Dad. other tawdry
0: podcasts, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> a couple other shows.
8: Okay, well, I don't think we have much else to say about uh, Able Builders here. So, unless... No, uh, it's a fun game. It's a good take
0: on Kaboom with some unique methods of doing things, like instead of losing buckets or whatever, like popcorn, all the other clones did. Um, moving the up and coming down. down. And if you catch enough, you build it back up. So, it's kind of a... It, it awards you for, for doing well. Yeah, instead of just points. So. so yeah, it's a fun fun little game. It's a
8: it's a little game. It's only got the one screen. I know that's what a few people complained about is that uh they wish there was more to it, like more screens or something, so. Um but I mean this was a game included with a magazine, so
0: Yep, along with like ten other things. So it was that yeah. was like seven or eight bucks an issue or something, so Getting all that goodness for that cheap was pretty pretty good deal, I think. Absolutely. And T&D was the longest running; that went over hundred issues.
8: Okay, well, I guess we'll. Oh, I guess I should mention about the live stream. Uh-huh. Almost <laughs> forgot to do that. So during the live stream, we just had a couple of people uh, playing. Um, I think it only had three of us at a time. There was a few other people in the chat with us, but. Uh, yeah, basically just the three of us were playing. Um, as I said, Sloopy built himself a paddle during this so that uh, by the end he was doing really well. Jim was doing pretty good, and I sucked. So <laughs> that was the live broadcast.
0: Yeah, I had full intention of joining you guys this time, and then a, a rush job showed, in, showed up just like the last couple of days, totally unexpected. I'm still working on it this weekend. Um, I couldn't make it, unfortunately. Plus, I had so some we, other things to do, which I'll talk about later.
8: If we do another game like this, Sloopy, you have to hold a uh, little um, live thing for people to build their own paddles.
0: Yeah, we're talking really? about doing two games on the same uh, Game On Challenge like in a week and overlapping them type thing, and at this time, we'll just yeah. have a hardware development sidebar that people can watch. Absolutely. Big and forth.
10: <laughs> uh, no, the hardware side of things, that's uh, Marco's show this my show is games his show is the technical if you want me to go on his show and do technical things I can do that but no i'm I'm sticking to the games
8: it. I plan on it all right so I will uh now talk about next week's game and if you've uh, paid attention last week you'll know what this week's game is you might be able to tell from this from nightmare no I'm
0: just kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's Frogger.
0: Oh,
8: God, it's not, not quite that Frogger.
1: Game.
0: And like, uh, John Schaller, I believe this is the next game on your show as well, isn't
4: it? That's right. What's Serendipity? In a couple weeks, we'll be doing this on the Cocoa Show.
0: So are you and Aaron and possibly Brent going to participate in the High Score Challenge this week, maybe? Uh,
4: there's, pretty good pretty sh- sh- there's, there's a pretty good chance I will be. I can't speak to the other knuckleheads. Well, well just demand it of them then. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you how well demanding anything of those guys works out.
8: <laughs> tell them it's in their contract. <laughs> <laughs> I'll
4: give that a shot.
10: That reminds me, John. When you're going to come on to the Game One Challenge live?
4: Thursday night's a tough night for me. It's a tough <laughs> night for me. But we I'm had it try on and the... make. I need to set myself yeah. a little alarm.
10: Yeah, we had it on Fridays and. And you Well, didn't they record show shows on Friday. Now, I they, now they're it.
4: recording... They excuses. They're decided to switch their show to
8: Fridays. Yeah.
10: Excuses, excuses. I know, I know. <laughs>
4: I'm going to try and make it, man. I promise, I promise.
10: Oh, okay.
8: Now, I do have one more Game On Challenge announcement to make. Um, I think everybody now has to start playing this game. Because... Um, in a few weeks, probably I'm thinking over Christmas, we're going to do things a little differently and we're going to have people, you got to get familiar with this game and play a bunch of the levels cuz I want people to make their own levels, submit them in the Discord, then people will play those levels and then we can uh kind of vote on uh, who uh who's made the favorite levels.
0: Okay, I believe Buck Owens has already started doing that. Yes, he correctly. has
8: started doing that, yeah.
0: And he's only the, the only person I know that's completed the whole built-in level set. How
8: many levels is there? 30? Um, 30?
0: 30, 30, 32, somewhere in there? Can't okay. Remember. but yeah. so, I haven't gone through them all. I think I've got enough to, like, 14 myself. But.
8: That is our uh, plan for the near future, is t- for uh, everybody to have fun building their own levels Um, they don't have to be great levels, just build some levels. And then, uh, so we all get a chance to try each other's levels. Yeah. I'm playing in the right color set. (laughs) Like and
13: screenshot. Yeah. I noticed that was wrong.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a problem. When you have like a toggle switch, like F1 to switch composite to RGB and what you print on the screen, is that what it's currently at? Or is that what you're going to select it to? If you hit the button and I think that's what screwed you up there again.
8: (laughs) I got my level. Ah, ah! You're funny, Slippy.
0: I keep it yeah, on but my. That level
8: was at an angle.
10: I keep it on my 3D printer.
0: <laughs> Grant, Grant asks. He's obviously watched Buck Owens play live games. He said, "How old is Buck Owens? Fifteen. He plays like a kid." <laughs> Actually, as Nick can attest, he's a very good play tester because he's a person that really puts a game through its He's it very grinder good. to make sure you know. I
8: supports. think. Honestly,
0: has anybody ever met Buck?
8: He might be a robot.
0: <laughs> that's true. Paul Fiscerelli did that robot program for playing some stuff. It could be. John, do you know? Because you, you've had Buck, I think, as a guest. On, or not guest, but uh, watching your show even longer than ours. So,
4: Buck is, uh, if he is a robot, he's a very uh, human-looking robot that's very into bicycling. <laughs> <laughs> They've they've taught robots how to play, uh, to uh, ride bicycles, haven't they? Probably. Yeah. I he's still think like think it's magic. You know how they made Kermit ride the fr- uh, ride the bike in the first Muppet movie? Maybe it's the same sort of thing with Buck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or it could but, be a bunch of neurons in a petri dish. They taught to play pong, just more advanced. I'm not sure. Yeah. There's that Honda robot that that knows how to ride a bike,
10: and has hands and all that stuff. Maybe it's maybe he's one of those. He maybe he's
0: the Honda robot. We're going to have to get him on for an interview, and he'll just have to like talk like this all the time or something.
8: (laughs) There you go, Buck. You've been challenged. You have to prove that you're a real human now. I'm a real boy. He has to pass a
6: Turing test.
10: I can't even pass a Turing test. (laughs) You said it, not us. (laughs) All right. Are we ready to go to the Game on Uh, News? Absolutely. All right. I'll... uh... Run the intro.
0: Do okay, you Okay, so if you guys are seeing good job at the top of the screen, then I'm sharing the right one.
7: Good job, Curtis.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it'll be my only positive thing to do today. (laughs) All right, so first of all, Color Computer Programming, which is a channel of learning basic as you go. Now, he's been working on a game in basic that's actually going to be a multi-load tape thing where you load in one program. Whoops, I hit my mic. Uh, you load in the program, you play through the level, and once you get past that, it'll load the next segment in and keep going and kind of, you know, build a huge game off that. So this is part two, uh, just a semi-walkthrough with soundtrack. So he's got these little play statements he's running in the background. Now he's going to edit them down so they're not quite as long, and I won't play the whole video here. But uh, this is part two of Tales of Suburbia. And like I said, it's totally written in basic, so just interesting to see what he's what he's trying to do here. And they have his uh stage passwords, he so can't cheat. So it has it auto sense when you're running into objects and stuff like that, and then it'll switch to a text screen to, to show what what you got. <coughs> and he's got different rooms and stuff as you go through and you have to pick up items and you know manipulate things and stuff, just like a standard adventure game. But it's pretty interesting to try to do a tape based, multi layered one where you keep loading other programs here so you can make the game pretty well as big as you can fit on a tape. So with a ninety minute tape, I imagine it could be a pretty big game. So I'll keep keep an eye on that. I love Alan Huffman. I are big fans of his channel because he's literally learning all this stuff as he goes.
5: So if you go back to a previous room that you had been in before, do you have to rewind the tape?
0: (laughs) No, he has the game set up specifically so you can wander back and forth between rooms in a certain section. But once you like, you know, take a ride down to the next section, you can't go back. So he Mm kind of solves that problem himself in, in the gameplay itself. Okay. Interesting. Okay, right, next up, Jim Gary's released a port of the Dungeons of Doom RPG game originally written by Les Howarth, Cheryl Evans, and Chris Oxlade for the 1984 book Write Your Own Adventure Games. Uh, the version Jim did is based on the BBC Micro version. He added some simple 3D viewing using uh, a 64 by 48 sg 6 graphics system that was written by Errico Montero. Of course, we saw it during the Brazilian retro show. And uh, the game lets you make your own characters and even your own maps. So he gives a bit of a demonstration. I'm not going to play the whole 25-minute video, obviously, but uh, I'll, I'll kind of show off a couple of the different parts of it. The first part, you just do the random rolling, and then you can up, you get some extra points that you can add to, to kind of pad out your character. So that's kind of like standard, like a lot of these games did back in the day. So it's like an RPG game. Okay. Yeah. And, of course, you go and you buy all the stuff you need to, to, to wear so you look fancy at the uh, dungeon party. One of the nice things here is though is you can actually have a map generator where you can actually generate your own levels and, and map things out where the treasures are, you know, walls and doors and that kind of thing. And then the actual gameplay has a little bit of a 3D look to it. And then a self-auto-mapping here, too, as well, which is kind of nice. Even got built-in help you can see on the lower right corner there. I think it's pretty good for low-res basic. I mean, it does kind of give you that 3D impression.
5: Yeah, this looks pretty cool.
0: And, uh, of course, you get the monsters and stuff here, and they've just updated the auto-map based on what you've now seen. So another one where you can design your own levels, just like uh, Bon that uh, Ken was talking about earlier. So this, this is a game that, uh, because it's written in BASIC, I don't think he's using too much. This SG-6 thing might be a problem, but this is something you could definitely port to a Cocoa 1 or 2, is, or a Dragon as well. Um, and since you could have more RAM than a typical upgraded MC-10 would have, you probably could actually flesh it out even a bit more. But it's a, it's a pretty cool project. And my understanding is, I haven't seen the original versions, but I don't think it had the 3D graphics version. I think it just had more of the mapping style, so it actually added a bit of functionality to it as well. Next up from Paris Red and Keys Von Os, we've got the next AGD Games uh, Super Sprite FM Plus Enhanced Pack, which is another four games now. So that's seven packs, and I think that's 27, 28 games, something like that that he's got in here. Uh, So the new ones he's got added on this one here, and of course this requires a Dragon or a Cocoa 1, 2, or 3 that has a Super Sprite FM Plus board, and it takes advantage of the uh, tile and hardware sprites that are on that board, as well as multi-voice music. Of course, I playing the music here because I just got screenshots, but the games I got this time is Papyrus, Sprouty, Stars, and UFO. So of course, these are from the AGD uh, game system, which is basically a game development system written for originally for the Spectrum, and uh, ported to uh, the the Dragon and the Coco by Keys and Pere, and um, now enhanced for the board. So now there's, like, like I said, about 27, 28 games now for the uh, Super Sprite board. And as you can see here, for running on a Cocoa 1 or 2 Dragon, that's that's quite a bit of color to have. And they're usually platformers, because that's what the, uh, the engine is kind of designed to, to, to power. But I have heard some of the music, the multi-voice music and the sound effects is actually quite good, too. So, right, you can download those at the World of Dragon uh, forums in the uh, new software section all free. And they also announced he's doing the first big games pack, as he calls them. So this is where he kind of accumulates all the stuff he's converted over. And he's done this for the main Cocoa Dragon ones, too. And he updates it about every, you know, 10 releases or whatever of of the previous packs so that if you're new to it and you just found out about these, you don't have to go and download every single pack separately and install them. You can just download one zip and get them all. So in this particular case here, as of the end of the uh, pack number seven, he's decided to combine them into the SSP-01 which is the super sprite pack first version and this will get updated as things go actually i just confirmed you're looking at the screen it's 28 games that are included in here that all support the extra hardware on that board and you can download for the dragon or the coco here also on the dragon archive form and uh, this here is to help people that are new to it to decide on what kind of games they want to try so what he's done is he's put together all the screenshots he's taken. Now, this has been over the last few years, he's been posting these screenshots of all the games, both the black and white original Dragon Cocoa ones, and then also the Super Sprite Color ones. And he's attached here 10 zip files that contain 1,200 screenshots into the Dragon group on Facebook. Um, and basically, if you remember the last couple of weeks here, he's been uh, asking to take a bit of a poll of what games he should convert next. So this is one way you can just grab all the screenshots, kind of take a look and you know pick some games that look interesting to you. There is one restriction though. The Super Sprite V9958 chip that does the hardware sprites here only does 16 by 16, which means that some of the AGD games that actually used sprites that are bigger than that, because they were software sprites, uh cannot be converted. So he's gonna make a list of which ones you know wouldn't work with that engine for that uh, hardware. And kind of eliminate those from the voting poll. But once he kinda gets you know some suggestions here and, and posts that list of restrictions, then he's gonna have an actual full blown poll where people can actually vote on what they would like to get converted next, because there's three hundred and somewhat odd games or something in that that he can he can do. And he's only done 20 <coughs> of them so far. So there's lots to go. So I will keep an eye on that. Once he posts the poll itself, I'll let you guys know and you guys can head up the uh dragon. I think you might put it in the Koku group too, uh, to pick what games you would like him and keys to convert next to the Super Sprite F and Plus board. Now, quick question: Is anybody on this panel? I think Brian Weezer's got his, but I know he popped in and out; he wasn't able to stay. Has anybody else gotten a Super sprite FM Plus support on the panel here? Not yet. Okay, just thought I'd check. Hopefully, we can get Brian on here at some point soon to, to see how that runs and actually get a live demo.
5: I heard that they're um, they're beginning to make more of them. Um, yeah,
0: yep. John got again. out of uh, out of his chemo for leukemia, second round, and is doing better. He opened up the. The Dragon Store as well, Dragon Plus Electronics. So he's he's yeah, fully I, back in at the moment.
5: Might I might consider picking one up then that yeah, it looks cool.
0: Yeah. And next step after that <clears throat> for the MC ten, Robert Sieg, who's been working on a little software sprite engine for the M C ten. Uh has uploaded to Facebook his version of Flipple Or Flip Pole or Flypole, I'm not sure how to pronounce this. Um, but this one requires the MCX 128, so it needs some extra RAM and it uses the higher-res graphics. And um, this is uh, using an engine that works with the Game Boy Color, I think, sprite editing software that you can get from Windows. And then you can design your own sprites of varying sizes. It handles, I think, 4x6 and 8x8, by x 16 24x24, etc. And then he's written some LML routines for the 6803 processor in the MC10 to actually draw these for you. And this is one of the <coughs> games he's converted himself. And you can see this little screenshot here, which I uh, didn't zoom up too much. But basically, you can see it's, it's basically doing, like, the same hybrids that some of the other uh, Inufito and stuff has done. But this is a library you can actually download, and you can actually use the online t- or the online available tools for the Game Boy Color to actually design your tiles, design your sprites, etc., that will work with his engine directly. In fact, it'll export them in the exact right format that you need to run on his engine. So it'll make designing a lot easier instead of having to draw everything on the... MC 10 itself, which would usually require things like pokes or finding a cocoa editor that actually will handle a P mode one type screen instead of a P mode three or four. So thanks, Robert, for releasing that and also giving a sample game for people to try. Next up, this was kind of an interesting one for me. <clears throat> this uh channel called Games Version Comparison basically goes through the history of a game and they'll pick like Donkey Kong and they'll show it, you know, its various incarnations from the very first one in 1981 all the way up to modern 3D versions and stuff. And the topic he picked in this case here was for Starship Troopers games, which is basically anything based on the Starship Troopers book by Robert Heinlein. And this one actually starts up with a Kogo, because Clendathu, if any of you have played that a cassette game that Radio Shack sold back in 82-83. And written by Leo Christopherson, who's rather famous on the model one and three, uh, for doing very good animations in his games. He did Android Nim, he did uh, uh, was it Voyage of the Valkyrie something like that? Nick, Nick reddy's might actually know some of these because I know he's a, a more of a model one aficionado than I am, but he's quite famous for doing well done animations. And uh, for those of you not seen Clint Daffy, I'll just play a little beginning so you can kind of see it. And then I'll skip ahead to show you how far it's come since then. Unfortunately, I, I did talk to him on uh, the chat here. He didn't really know how to play the version of Klendathu. <clears throat> he thought you just had to try to get to the end square on the lower right corner there and try to dodge the word bug, and he thought that was the whole game, which it's not. Um, basically, you go to a square with a bug in it, and they go into that square and then you come up with a view where you're getting all these crawling spider-like creatures and you have this little torch and you have to light them all on fire and they and flame up it's really cool actually it's fun um and you get paid for it just pay the screams now uh, he did say he's actually found the manual and kind of learned how the game works and he's considering possibly redoing this part of the video to show a bit more of the gameplay because it doesn't really demonstrate it here but just to compare what like what we're up against now Here's a current Starship Troopers 2023 Windows game. It's pausing, but, anyway. uh, but you can see the graphics have improved a little bit since... Practically the same game. game. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Sound I effects a like little uh, bit more... Better. Yeah, a little bit more better digitization sound effects and stuff too. Practically but, uh, the same. <laughs> I think this is actually just cool. I mean, it's cool just seeing how some a game has progressed, but it's also just keeps cool seeing the technology change between eighty two and twenty twenty two, roughly. So roughly forty years, how much graphics and sound have come in one fell swoop? And of course, he does ones in between. You can kind of see like what you know games in the nineties or the late eighties and the two thousand knots, etc. Have. Next up, now this is kind of a cool one too. This is actually one I discovered last week. But last week when I found it, the issues they were doing. And basically what this is, is if you remember the old Electronic Games uh, magazine from 81, 82, 83, I think I remember when it got cancelled. I think it cancelled not long after the video game crash. But basically this was uh, a wider spread magazine than most. Most of them had video games where they were dedicated to, say, just video game consoles or just video game consoles and home computers. This actually covered all kinds of things. This covered computers, electronic chess games, a little, uh, like the one Ken you just showed in your second December video there, like a mechanical electronic game this this magazine covered the whole gamut of electronic gaming like handheld uh you know mattel football to uh tomi you know mechanical games to video game consoles to home computers basically anything electronically related that was a game so they covered a wide gamut and at the earlier part of this magazine's run it actually did try to cover every single system and this was the very first issue, October 1981. So the Cocoa hadn't even been out that long. And of course, this would have been written several months ahead. So this is within the first few months the Cocoa was widely available at Radio Shack because it was kind of limited at the beginning in 1980 or the end of 1980. And they kind of just do a bit of a write-up here on the Cocoa, and they got some screenshots. Uh, chess, Pinball, and Backgammon are all the first-gen titles that came out right when the computer was released. Dino Wars came out a little bit later. And they kind of uh, give you... What's that?
5: Ah, oh, my arch nemesis, Dino Wars. <laughs> that's an awesome
0: game. I love that game. <laughs> um, and then it kind of goes like the computer glossary because, I mean, computers, home computers are fairly new at this time, but they kind of go through the specs, et he was He quite likes it. The person that wrote this article is actually grew up with the Model 1 and 3. So he was liking the fact they had color added in. Um, but this first issue actually did cover a fair bit of the color computer. So that's a two-page spread describing the color computer. And then they have a quick review in text here. Let me find the link. So it's in mode. Cover this guide, does a good job. The Swedish says not let She wants to do that, straightforward. What would the show be today without technical difficulties? i think it's all of ours today so anyway they have a a little text review section here and one of the games they reviewed in this first issue of october 1981 was space trader by spectral associates for the coco which is this i probably can't read it to him here um and it's basically a a strategy game it was written in basic i actually i think i have this one on my website but it's basically uh it's like zone runner style but considering that's a third party game from that early on to be covered in a a national magazine is is fairly interesting because um even people that shopped at Rage Shack didn't know there was a third-party market for the Cocoa this early on, except for a few choice, you know, people that actually managed to you know, find kindred spirits wandering around a Tandy store. So that, that's kind of interesting. They actually got one in that early, and it's also Space Trader is one of the earliest, you know, third-party Cocoa games, you know, written in mid-81 type thing, just when Rainbow was starting or Color Computer News was starting. And then there, a little bit later, I'm not going to try to get to it here, too, but... Uh, they also have a uh, comparison of football games covering a few from home consoles, a few of the electronic one handhelds, and then some of the video game consoles as well, like the Atari 2600D television. And they actually had a screenshot of football for the Coco, which was actually one of the original releases for the Coco as well, in nineteen eighty. 1980s. So I, I'm very... I, I actually did have this magazine way back in the day, and I remember being quite surprised. It was one of the few cross-platform magazines that actually gave the Coco more than just a quick mention calling it a trash eighty or whatever type thing. So... What he's, this guy is doing on this channel is he's taking all these, he's scanning them in, and then he basically just has some random you know, background music. But basically, he has a shot of each double-page spread for about 10, 15 seconds, and you can actually read the entire magazine as you go through. So if you want to visit them uh, and kind of go through them, there's a lot of interesting stuff. He's got several other issues of uh, Electronic Games magazine. There's even some ads that include Cocoa Games for sale, like Moon Shuttle from Datasoft and others, too, that you don't see too often. So I'd well recommend the channel, especially if you're into the just, you know, video games in general from back in the 80s. There's a lot of cool stuff. They talk about the, uh, you know, the the rumors that the adventure cartridge for the Atari 2600 had a secret message in it. And they said, yeah, we can verify it does. We talked to the author, but we can't, we're not going to tell you how to find it. You'll have to figure that out yourself. Which, of course, you know, people did fairly shortly afterwards. But a lot of cool history in there. And this one here, I'll mute it and just let the author talk about it. Oh, that would be me? Yep.
8: (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I just took a look at a couple of the new games available for the Coco, um, Jumping Joey and Coco Bon. So, yeah. I don't know. Not much else to say there other than I like both those games. Yeah. And, uh, well, Jumping Joey is the one we're playing this week for the Game On, so...
0: Yeah. I will mention too, because I was giving Ken a bad time about the uh the colors here. This is what yeah. Cocoa Band should look like. <laughs> um and if you if you select the other one, and that like I said, this is a little bit of a confusing the
13: way that's worded there. That's what it not in- should not look like. <laughs> that's in composite, yeah. Yeah.
8: I like the composite better. <laughs>
0: it's brighter. It's wrong. And then the review of Jumping Joy, which of course is a featured game on both the Coco show and our next game on challenge. So, and I I actually got my copy in the mail too, so
13: that'll be part of the project updates and acquisition. Are are you taking the uh shriek wrap off it?
0: (laughs) No, I'm not gonna actually play the game, are you nuts? Anyway, thank you, now. Ken, for putting that up. now, Ken, I, I just wanted to mention this is not strictly cocoa related. Actually, so far it's not at all. But you've actually got a special thing going on for December too on your channel. We're going to be releasing a video a day. Is that what the plan is? Yes, I am. I'm, I'm. I don't know why I thought that uh, I should do
8: this, but yeah, I'm doing one video a day, just a short uh, two to three minute video. Um, basically, making my ultimate retro advent calendar. So taking a look at something each day. That I would love to find in my ultimate retro advent calendar. So,
0: and, and I, I will ask, and you don't have to give specifics, but are you planning on any Cocoa stuff in there? Oh, absolutely. Oh, good. Good. But, you know, you get the better and bigger stuff as you get closer to
8: Christmas. So,
0: ah, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha.
13: And if I can just make an announcement about the, um, uh, the jumping Joey game. Um, it was uh, brought to my attention that a few people hadn't received the CD yet, and I was wondering why. And uh, I went back to the uh, CD manufacturer, uh, Kanaki, the, yeah. the comp- Kanaki, yep. Just trying to see why why uh, some hadn't been delivered yet, and it turned out it was my fault because <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> the way Kanaki work is that works is that. Uh, I, as the, uh, the, the guy who's selling or making the game, has to have an account with Kunaki. Uh, that way, when people buy from Kunaki, they, um, um, the money that they pay Kunaki goes directly to me, and then any expenses uh, to make the package and postage gets taken from that account that I have to create with them. And uh, I hadn't been watching it in the last week. And there was a a bit of a flurry of sales. So my account had expired on there with them. So basically, they had no money and they weren't going to release any until I paid. But normally, they would send you an email to say that, you know, you have funds and pending orders. And they didn't send anything. So I'm just sitting well, there blind. It would? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So they, so they don't take would, a cut of the sale at the time of the sale? No, you pay them no, separately?
13: That, no, it goes all directly back to me, but I would have had to pay in advance to uh, oh, so okay. have an I didn't account with them. That way when they get an order, they, they yeah, well they can send it out or, or manufacture it and send it out. Pretty well, you know, almost the next day. But because the money my account had expired or or emptied out, they said, "Oh, well, you haven't you haven't paid yet, so we can't we can't release it, and it, it's just going to stay pending." And then I then I went onto the website, checked up my account, and noticed, "Oh, there's no money left. That's why." <laughs> so I, I put money in. And they so did you actually just, lose orders, or are they just delayed? No, like still there. No, no, no. The orders have gone in; they're just they're not being made until until uh, I, I pay ahead. I, I've got a, it, the, the item has to be paid before they manufacture and send it out. Okay, so, so did I you have sent, to sell some of your Ferraris back, or what? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I sent them some money, and now they've got money to, and, and they've <laughs> released them all. They've they've. Uh, posted them all out yesterday
0: okay so how, how many uh, were held back then i'm just kind of curious
13: there's about five of them okay so there's about five there that were being held back uh waiting pending payment and uh i just didn't know about it you know they, as i said they normally send you an email but i didn't get anything so i found it there and i paid them and all is good and they were shipped out yesterday so um i guess people should get it over the next few days uh, oh, yeah, there's cool. that, and there. There is actually one more thing I need to. I've been trying to find a Richard. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Richard Osterpower. Now he he, he purchased one, but um, he says he, he didn't hasn't got it yet either. So I've I've been trying to send him um, an, a, a copy of the files. But every time I send anything to his email address, it bounces back. So I can't get in touch with him and say, look, you're not getting anything because your email's spitting everything back at me. So I'm trying to get a more current or some email address that I can actually send stuff to him. So that's one thing. That's one of the problems I have to battle, that people who purchase the game, um, the, the digital download, uh they i use the email address that uh comes from the paypal account so i figured that must be up to date yeah not quite um or some some email systems are blocked or whatever they block certain things so if you're gonna buy (laughs) if you're gonna buy um uh any of my games make sure that your email account will actually uh, work, <laughs> so that makes it very hard to uh, send you the files. And um, and in the meantime, I'm still trying to get in touch with Richard Osterpower. So if anyone has it or can get a message to him saying I have been trying to send you the files, but they can't get it through. So okay, that's it. Yeah, so. That, it's it's not
0: a name I'm familiar with in the Coco community, so I'm not sure where he would have yeah, found out Did he watch the Austin show power. or happened on your website. I don't
13: or know. I don't know. And uh, he's got his email address. I've sent multiple times, different ways. Nothing seems to get through. And uh, I can't get in touch with him to let him know what's going on. So. So, does anybody in the panel or in the chat, for that matter, know
0: of this this person that can get in contact with him that Nick's trying to get a hold of?
13: Richard or Rick, Rick Osterpower. He's in the U.S.
0: I've just got it on the on the chat here. Uh, Twilight Zoner in, in in YouTube here saying, uh, Nick, check your Facebook messages. So maybe he's gotten a hold of you that way, if that's him, or maybe he knows him. I'm not sure.
13: No, I haven't seen anything. Uh... I haven't. It's not in face Well, I, I did. Well, Messenger, not not Facebook itself, but Messenger. Yeah, yeah. I will check. So I did put a, a a message out on Facebook saying, hey, "We're uh, looking for Richard Osterpower." So I haven't checked today. I'll check it later on and see if okay. he's uh, seen it. But
0: oh, okay, yeah, probably get that resolved there because it's a good enough game. You definitely want to get it. I also should so mention I, here, since we're looking at it on screen here, the uh, we talked about before when Nick was talking about the game before about you know, setting up a Coco 3 to kind of run the semi-graphics modes. And uh, Ken, you actually did a demonstration of that on this video here. So it's not just the two new games. You actually uh, kind of went yeah. through the, the tips and tricks of the semi-graphics.
8: I showed how to, uh, according to Nick's blog, how to uh, get um, uh, semi-graphics working on your Coco 3, sort of. Mostly
0: working.
13: Mostly.
8: Yeah. Yeah, because you it's did like,
0: Rail Runner here, which you, you can't see the score and yeah, stuff, but at so least the game's you, playable.
8: Yeah, you're play you can play the game, you just can't see score or your level or the timer or anything like that, but
13: And if you play like me, uh, you don't want to see your score. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and of course you picked another frogger clone just to combat with jump and joey, and this one actually <laughs> has higher res graphics, so
13: it's <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> got a frog. I've got a kangaroo. Yeah, this has got a
0: hobo. <laughs> oh, no, wait, no, you're, the, you're the, uh, the car man or whatever they call it, the train guy, and then you have to rescue hobos. This is I think oh, it's right. out of the game. I can't remember the instructions for it, but... I don't know. I didn't read the instructions.
13: <laughs> no one ever does.
0: <laughs> anyway, go check out Ken's video. You can get some of those details and, and how to do that, and, and also checking out Coco Ban and jumping Joey all at once. Next up, uh, we've already covered a video that uh, Paul Shoemaker had released about this earlier. uh, But he's actually released the last, he's promising the last version of Ghost Rush. And this is the Christmas-themed winter edition, which adds in some, you know, a different palette. uh, Adds in Christmas music, little clips. It adds in some Christmas graphics, like a reindeer and you know, snow on a tree type thing in the background. Icicles falling instead of chips, etc. So... That's available for download on Facebook now in the Cocoa Group. It should be available in the Cocoa Computer Archive shortly, if it's not already. I have not checked today to see if it's there yet, but that should be there shortly. So
13: he need he needs an Australian themed one now.
0: <laughs> no, he said he's done with it. <laughs> he's actually working on that other one with the camel animation we talked about uh, last week. So,
13: and We've that is it the- We've got camels in Australia. You do. In zoos, right? In zoos, right? Yeah. In zoos, yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, we even got them up in Canada. You know, they go out in the zoo and play in the snow. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe they do. I don't know. All right, that's it for the Game On news this week. So, I don't know if you want to do a break. Um, John, did you have any official announcements, or are you just kind of popping on?
4: No, I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to be here to support the nation, the Coco Nation.
0: There you go. (laughs) Maybe we should play a Cocoa Nation promo commercial slash ad then. Do it. Before I go into the news, I don't know who's in charge of that sleepy. Or Wait to Harry. put Sloopy
8: on the spot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the time has come to unite the world. Under one nation, an 8-bit nation, a neon green nation, the cocoa nation, the cocoa nation show coming soon.
3: Coco Talk would like to thank the patrons who sponsor our program. So, our heartfelt gratitude goes out to Alan Huffman, Alan Murphy, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Walsh, Brian Weesler, Karen Anscombe, D. Bruce Moore, Daddy Burrito, Diego, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant Leedy, Grant B., Henry Strickland, J Style, Justin Larson, Ken Reichert, Malfunct, Melly, Mike Rayburn, OG Hugo, Rick Ulan, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Rob Inman, Rocky Hill, Stephen Wagner, Steve Batson, Terry Steen, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tim Thayer, Tom C, Tom Gunderson, Tom S, Tony C, and William Athing. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Time for everyone's favorite segment. Who's new to Discord this week?
6: Motswald says, Greeting programs, I'm Joe from the Fujinet team. Atari 8 bit is my first love computer and I don't own a Cocoa but here to learn about them. Tom22 says, I am Tom and I am an old Cocoa user, I used to have all three versions, but sadly sold them. Now I am trying out the emulation versions of the Cocoa. I have also been following Coco Talk and reliving a lot of memories. The previous bios were edited for time. Thanks to Boys in Tech, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Nightbeard, Glenside Computer Club, and the Coco Talk patrons for boosting the server. Please consider joining Discord and visiting the welcome section to read these bios in full and see what the community has to offer. Just go to discord.cocotalk.live. See y'all on Discord!
0: But Terry and his AgVision vision seem to be being shy, so
1: <laughs> we will skip that later.
11: <laughs> well, it is,
0: I guess, kind of a little blue pill. I don't know. <laughs> so when when did you receive it? Because I know it was getting delayed there as of last week. Uh, what day was it? I got it Thursday, Thursday morning. Oh, that late? Oh, yeah. Really. Yeah. Holy cow. I bet you're getting nervous it wasn't coming at all at that point.
11: I really was. I thought, oh, geez, I'm going to end up with a Commodore.
0: (laughs) That's what guns were invented for. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That is true. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, Terry, Terry is kind of giving us a teaser there, holding up a uh, you know the AG Vision, the the blue AG Vision, which is specifically what's it called? It's labeled something different, isn't it?
11: Yeah, it's uh, E L A N C O AG Vision. Elanco? Elanco?
0: and that's the rarest version of that, and it's blue, just unlike the, uh... the regular video text terminal.
13: And ag, ag standing for agricultural. Yeah. Right. It's meant is for an
2: agricultural company. They do all kinds of farm
0: stuff. So this. And they're still around too, aren't they, Brick?
11: Yeah. They are still around.
12: Yeah. Did you plug it in see if it gives you any smoke?
0: No, it actually, <laughs>
11: uh, it actually came up. I've got it all tore apart because I wanted to do some cleaning and some uh, uh, videos of, I had a lot of requests for pretty detailed pictures of it so i'm working on that right now and then i'll get her back together
2: from what i can tell those few different uh those few different characters in the rom are the answer back so when that's sent when it logs in the server knows what kind of terminal it's talking to and what it's supposed to be doing
0: yeah and the ag vision one had a unique one compared to the regular gray text terminal or the coco text cartridge
2: so so never the twain shall meet uh, you got your agvision stuff on your agvision terminal and that was that.
13: Blue <laughs> smoke.
0: So Terry do you expect to have a video or a presentation of that for us to see like just showing it in person like next week or are you looking at it a bit longer? I don't know what um, is like with
11: Christmas coming I, my time's kind of been short here lately plus trying to get all this other uh channel stuff done so i've not had a whole lot of time but i would like to maybe you want to sh-
0: save it for the new year then or
11: that's like- kind of what i was thinking if that's okay with everybody it's not
0: but that's fine <laughs> <laughs> do a proper demo then. <laughs>
11: we, <laughs> we don't have a choice <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well because i want to show it with the video tech and all that stuff
0: um yeah and so tim I, linder's been it. working on some MAME emulations you can actually run the server and stuff for it to exactly. to- i would
11: really like to do that but
0: okay Time Plus, it'd be a nice, a nice brothers. starting uh, video, I think, or a starting presentation to do when the, when the new show launches in the new year. So,
12: yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we could have it run all through the year. Egg Vision Number Forty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: <There you go. laughs> all futures, big billies.
0: <laughs> so, before I get in the news here, we just talked about Terry's. Is there any other project updates and acquisitions? I have one brief one I can show here. I don't know if anybody else has any. Yeah. No, nope. okay. <clears throat> well, I showed it the pre show, but for those uh wondering, I got my order in for Nick's uh Coco arcade, which includes Jump and Joey here. Uh, apparently before he ran out of funds and uh, got it delivered, <laughs> so I haven't had a chance to open it yet. This literally just showed up yesterday, and I had to let it warm up because it's been minus 30 degrees Celsius here. So,
2: this is all you get. I'm <laughs> <One car, laughs> some directions.
0: And then I also uh got a copy of Robot Nightmare from Ken Riker. So I finally got that. One nice thing is that uh, as, as Coco Talk is shutting was shutting down and before the announcement that it was shutting down, uh I got a little bit of money from Coco Talk as a thank you for you know hosting the news, etc. So I decided I didn't I'm actually doing a little bit better financially this year at the tail end of the year than I was expecting to, so I decided to reinvest some of it in the Coco community. So I ended up paying for copies of Robot Nightmare, the Coke Arcade and Coco Bond. So, mm-hmm. trying to trying to get back to the community a bit there. Nice. In, in exchange, I gave up coffee for a week. No, I'm just kidding. Oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mark. Mark said no sound from Sleepy. I'm not sure if he if he saw your lips moving or something. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. right. well, if you want to run a news intro, I will go into the regular news. I'm ready. I'm ready. We'll throw a few afterwards to wake people back up. No, they're saying they, they can't hear you at all. How about
10: now? Can you hear me now? Chad, I'll let
0: you...
1: Let, let us know I'll, if you can hear Slippy
10: now. I'll be willing to bet they can hear me now because evidently when you switch between things it mutes my microphone and I didn't realize it. Here I am using the mute on my microphone and it's nothing there. muted. Yeah. Which is better which is twice the best yeah, I'll hear you again. That was mm-hmm. it. Alright, here's the news intro. From
8: around the world,
1: what you need to know. Get caught up on news with El Cardis
0: Comment from Amigo Aaron, <clears throat> I'm presuming that's him. And he goes, oh, BS, because I know he's had issues. <laughs> BS changing changes scene, all of a sudden all the mic settings
10: are changed. And yeah, yeah, I'm so using... That seems to be
0: a common problem, but it's not just you.
10: Yeah. I have a few expansions for OBS myself, but I will let you go with the news.
5: Okay.
10: Uh, speaking of which, it happened again, so no one can hear it. What I just <laughs> said. <laughs> and I guess that's Amigo Aaron. Yes. I have an expansion for OBS, but We try to keep this at least family-friendly, if not a family show.
0: Yeah, you need a language expansion for using OBS, I think.
10: Yes. Back to you, Curtis.
0: Okay, you guys should be seeing a black screen. Exciting, huh? So basically, this is a video, and I'm not going to play the whole thing because it's 23 minutes and 55 seconds, from Alan at AC's 8-Bit Zone, talking and installing the Kogu DV, which, of course, is his sprite and sound card solution. Uh, on a variety of Cocoa 1 and 2 models. So he goes in through the uh, the Cocoa 1 boards, the Cocoa 2 early boards, the Cocoa 2 boards uh, with the T1 BDG, etc. So I won't play the whole thing here, but I can play a little bit. Oh, those are
5: 32 tiles that are used to, to design the maze.
0: So I just want to play that little intro clip because it's not part of what he's actually demonstrating here, but it does kind of show what that, that board that he's selling is capable of. So uh, let's see here. Can I interject something here real quick? Yeah, go
10: ahead. Um, for if the they pe- can hear you. Yeah, it says that they should. Um, the For people who watched the Game On Challenge Live uh, Thursday night, and they saw that my stream and my image was backwards, that mm-hmm. was actually using this board through an HDMI capture device.
0: Oh, okay. So, so you've got one of these installed?
10: Yeah, I actually own two of them, and I have one installed in a Coco Two, and I can wholeheartedly agree. I uh, um, uh, recommend them.
0: Okay, now the the one he's got now that only works on a Cocoa One or Two, and from what uh, people in the chat are saying here, that Alan will make this work in a Dragon if he had one to try it on because it should work.
10: Yeah, he's uh-huh. he's going to be doing it for the Dragon and the MC Ten.
0: Oh, cool. Now, if I remember correct, the, the Super Sprite F and Plus board, because it's in more of an external style one, I think that actually will even work in a Cocoa 3, am I mistaken on that?
10: I do believe that is correct, because it actually connects to the catch- cartridge port. or instead of
0: directly inside, yeah. So anyway, if, you, if you're planning on getting this, and you saw some of the graphics at the very beginning intro of Alan's thing, and he's actually written, he's in the midst of writing a Pac-Man game that looks exactly like the arcade. And this is running out of Cocoa 1 or 2, you got to remember. Barry is showing you, like, basically how to install it on a Cocoa 1 and some of the different parts that you got to fiddle with. I have no idea what's installing so much today on Firefox. But anyway, he uh, covers it on Cocoa 1s, a couple different models of the Cocoa 2, including the T1 VDG, and then kind of gives a little summary of it afterwards. So it's... uh, I, I, from a hardware perspective, is this a beginner's project, Sloopy, or would this be something more for somebody with a bit more experience to install themselves?
10: Honestly, it's pretty easy. If your VDG is already socketed, it's pretty simple.
0: Okay. So if it's not socketed, obviously you got to desolder a big chip and then put a socket in, which is a bit more complicated. Yeah. Okay. Now, does Allen offer installation himself or or do you have to try to find somebody third party to do that if if you're like me and can't solder for nothing
10: i got you covered curtis um <laughs> yeah i don't know if he does or not i mean i it's there's few people that there's a few people that can do it i mean it's not a very complicated thing so um i'm sure that if you asked him he probably would be able to do it if his time
13: allows
0: okay also mentioned uh whalen here he said he likes the way the dv extends the existing modes and he also said the super spread is a whole new thing with msx graphics but the dv which is what we're showing here is the original modes plus some improved ones so it basically it piggybacks with the vdg so you can still get all your old stuff running whereas the msx is kind of like a separate secondary display type thing in fact i think if i remember correctly you can drive both at the same time so you can actually do a dual monitor with separate images kind of like a commodore 128 does Hey, it's a really good video if you're interested in this board here like i said he does a little demo at the beginning showing some of the capabilities briefly and then he goes through the various types of installs that uh, you might be encountering depending on what version of the Cocoa one or Cocoa two you have
13: has you got a picture of of the actual board there anyway in uh he, that video? he did i closed that window so. all, right. all right do you want
0: to <laughs> see Check the video the, the video links of course for all of our new stories are in our Cocoa discord in the new summary Channel, which is in some subgroup, part way down the side, but I, there's too many channels out
10: anywhere. Is do you want to see what the actual board looks like?
0: Uh, huh. I can stop sharing. If you want to show it, just be so right. Um Yeah, uh, so highlight
10: Zoom. yourself or Zoom person. Uh, highlight me. Do we have it? This is what this is what the board looks like there we go this is just a riser because i was i had this one in my uh, mc10 so it's like just pins from here so this this
0: this just is the, the top board. parts the actual board the other part this is MC10 a, 10 specific.
10: yeah this is a board this part here this here right. is just a riser for it but yeah it's it's pretty simple
13: a few parts on it and, and the socket that's at the top there is that where you put the old six Six yeah. uh, eight four seven. Yeah, this is where the CG forty
10: seven goes. The the your uh, old VDG. VDG. VDG, and then this is where your uh, HDMI goes, and then you have two buttons here. One is for uh, changing the mode, like different um, artifacting, mode artifacting, so. and uh, resetting this board. Right. It's. There you go. Serial number nine.
13: It's fairly fairly compact, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: That would easily fit in the Dragon, because the Dragon has a lot of headroom available in the case, whereas some of the later Coco 2s, I'm assuming it's probably a little bit of a tight fit to fit in the case.
1: Mm,
10: Fits pretty good in my uh, uh, US-made Coco 2.
1: Okay,
10: cool.
0: Thanks for sharing that. Uh, We'll have to get you to do some demos on it at some point in a future show.
10: Yeah, I demo it every Thursday. Everyone should come and see it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean some of the extra features, like the the sprites and tiles and sound, et cetera. Ah. Okay, next up. This was a pretty interesting one that I actually grabbed out of the Discord. Now, Discord sucks for sharing things. I have to actually uh, copy stuff out and... Luckily, this was just a link, so I could actually directly con- uh, link to it to show you guys here. But this is something I've been clamoring for for quite a while, uh, not having a Vectrix myself, but I've always wondered you know, we've seen what a 6309 can do in a COCO, COCO 1, 2, or 3, um, when it's used in place of a 6809. And in this case, uh, Professor Pierre Johansson has actually installed the 6309 into a Vectrix, which, of course, is the vector video-based uh, arcade system from the early 80s and the only vector home-based arcade system that I know of. And uh, he's been rewriting the ROMs because the ROMs are a bunch of routines for calculating how to draw the lines using vectors because unlike a raster, which is a scan across screen that goes on the next line, does draws the next line 50 or 60 times per second depending on your video. Uh, this actually draws everything directly. It Just literally, the beam goes, if you draw a 45-degree angle, it draws, the beam moves at a 45-degree angle. So you get, you know, super precise lines with no jaggies, et cetera. So what he's done here is he's taken the 6 through 9 and put it in, which immediately should help cool down the inside. And my understanding is the Vectrix can get a little bit warm because it's got the whole, you know, vector thing and CPU and everything encased in one little box. Uh, And then he's been rewriting the ROMs to do the drawing vector routines using 6 through 9 native mode. So he's got a little bit of a screenshot here, just kind of showing the title page where he changed it to say HD 639 instead of the standard vector thing. And he's going to be doing progress reports. He's been working on this since originally since August of this year, August 22nd. And he's put a little video here. Now, I don't know if the full screen on this is going to work properly. um, So I might have to leave it small, but I'll try. You guys let me know if it just goes blank or does something stupid. Uh, But he actually runs it to compare Scramble the official arcade game Port Scramble, which is now running with 6.0.9, some optimizations for native mode, et cetera. And he mentions uh, one of the things that it does do, it scrolls from right to left. Now, if you watch a 6.0.9 version, when it's drawing the terrain, you'll see it do like a block, like maybe half an inch or an inch in one shot, and then you drag the screen, then draw the next chunk. So you get a little bit of a black gap, and then it redraws the next. The 6.0.9, because it has some extra headroom to work with, it actually keeps it drawing smooth. So you don't get this jump where it shuts off and turns on. It shuts off and turns on. On the lower right corners where you'll most likely see it. So
1: I'm going to play it.
0: Can you guys see that or is it? Uh... Yep, yeah. Looks great, Curtis. Okay.
13: A right, little jumpy, but sounds. yeah. Stop starts.
0: Yeah, it's doing that here too. I don't know why it's doing that. So I don't know if you can see it here. I don't know if you can see my cursor either, but if the left one is a 639, I believe. And if you look in the lower right where the train's being drawn, you'll see it blinks on a chunk at a time. And the 639 one on the right, it actually just smoothly draws it because it has the extra overhead to calculate the lines. I'm just going to back it up just a tad. Are you playing this direct from Discord? No, this is directly from the guy's website. Oh, okay, okay.
7: Yeah, much smoother on the display lists. Very nice. Yeah.
0: And he hasn't actually tackled like the full six or nine. Like he's using native mode, but he's not using a lot of the extra features that could make it run even faster. So I'm I'm really interested to see where he's going. I know he's been modifying the ROMs themselves. And some of them actually because some of the games have been written with a very precise timing based on CPU timing. That some of them get completely thrown off. Uh, But there's others that basically use the ROM routines for the most part. And because he's tweaked those already for 50 or 60 hertz, depending, it runs actually better, like in this particular case here. But he did mention there's some others that uh, don't run all that smooth. And then he's also, it it fixes some other problems here, too. Like he talks about the gap, and these are mystery gaps is what they call. uh, Part of the uh, BIOS, the ROM that he's been modifying here for the draw VLP routine. So you'll notice here, if you can see it, see that little gap on the right-hand side of these uh, shapes? It's that little black where the lines don't quite connect on the uh, three. I don't know what you call those shape stars or whatever. Mines. Yeah, sure. Those are <laughs> yeah. It's, it's labeled, you know, like I couldn't read that. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you see the, the gap there. Oh, here I can zoom it up. Look at that. You can see the little points anyway. Um, And now the six round with the extra processing time, they're gone. They're absolutely smooth.
7: So this, uh, this so it's fixed the timing of the start and the stop of the vector draw, uh, because you control it directly in the chip. And uh you have to kind of fake it and fudge it from time to time to get it to to work. So you kind of just say, well, it's good enough if it starts kind of here and ends kind of there, I can tell what the shape is. But you're out of CPU time, so you can't really mess with something else because you need to get on with control or reading or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But when you've got a little bit more processor, you can have it actually stop on the dime you want it to. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty impressed. Uh, it's a gorgeous machine, and and putting the sixty-three hundred nine in it is, yeah. I, I'm with you, Curtis. It's like, why hasn't them been going on all the all all along?
0: Yeah. It's uh, like putting it's one in a Cocoa 1 or 2, water. right, Ken? Go ahead. I was just going uh, to say to Ken Waters here, it's like putting one in a Cocoa 1 or 2. Exactly, right? Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm really looking forward to see where else he's going to go with this project here. Because um, he, like he mentions here in his little blog, he did some tests on Mindstorm, Berserk, and Spinball, and that's when we started discovering that some things hard-coded the timing based on CPU speed. Others relied on the ROMs. He's fixed the ROMs for the most part. So basically anything that is straight ROM called. But some of the more complex games definitely had timing. Those you'll have to tweak the ROM of the game cartridge itself. But, you know, just from looking at the results he's had so far from briefly fiddling with it here, he's getting some pretty good results. I'm really looking forward to, you know, where this will go. And because it will actually run cooler inside the case. Like I know, Boat, you might be able to tell me, um, because Aaron has an actual Vectrex, but uh, his was needed to get fixed at uh, Boat Fest.
4: The was, the power the power switch was broken. That was what was wrong with it. it there wasn't anything wrong with it. Oh, wasn't
0: anything with the heating of capacitor. Yeah, but but right Frank
4: in. did suggest replacing of certain capacitors, which I don't believe he had with him at the time. Um, but it was it was definitely playable because I fired that bad boy up and played it all weekend.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's cool because I actually I hadn't seen a Vectrix in person since they were sold brand new. That was the first time I'd seen one in probably thirty five years.
13: We need an uh, emulator on the Coco 3 to emulate the Vectrex. Um, and the Vectrex yeah, on the Coco 3, well. that
0: might be possible, actually.
6: Yeah. That would be amazing. Because
4: so, uh, I mean, gonna... it's the
0: same CPU. It's like the Transcodes Glenn Hewlett's been doing well, for six screen, nine games, right? Your screen
6: yeah. layout is going to be a problem.
0: Well, it's it's vector-based, so you have to write a really, really fast optimized line-drawing routine.
13: Yeah. And I don't no, think I'd but worry but I'm about talking. The you're poss-
6: talking or, 16, or you're talking a four by three screen on a Coco versus the the tall vector graphic screen on the Vectrex. So man. you're going to end up with a squashed image if you do it.
0: Yeah, or yeah. Or, you, or you drive break the line, driver to scale. Yeah, you scale and it. And just to be, well, yeah, you're
6: going to you're going to scale it, but it's going to be squashed. Turn your monitor Turn your on side or
12: sideways.
0: <laughs> yeah, <there you> <laughs> problem <Go on>. solved <laughs> anyway a really really cool project i'm definitely going to try to keep an eye on this this page and see what other updates done like his last update was literally just a couple days ago when he uploaded that video of scramble so speaking of glenn hewlett of transcode fame um glenn's newest weblog just dropped too this week and this explains how to use the streaming feature of the Coco SDC, where you can sc- stream oh, cool. extremely large files. Uh, and, and he's included a library of assembly routines that you can actually use to do that so you don't have to write all this stuff yourself. Because he did mention he went through the original manual describing it and things didn't quite work the way he expected. And then he got some help with Tim Linder and uh, Ed for uh, figuring out you know, what he wasn't understanding properly. And maybe the manual should be changed a little bit to reflect some of what he discovered
7: here. But he's got a little <laughs>
0: library you can actually download. And, uh, you know, you don't have to write everything from scratch type thing and explains that you can make files that are quite large. I'll explain some limitations that are not mentioned in the manual. These these two I did not know about. There's a minimum file size of at least seventy nine thousand three hundred sixty bytes. If the file that you're trying to stream is any less than that, like, say, a small sound sample, it doesn't do anything. It won't open the file. It won't do nothing. So that would be something to bang your head against if you didn't know about it. And the other limitation of the file must be padded to a 512-byte boundary because it's basically doing raw sectors. And if it isn't that, then it won't stream either. So there's some definite limitations you have to be aware of when you're doing it. But you can download the actual library here. Cool. And it gives some sample code and explains how it works and stuff. So that that would be awesome. This is the way to get Dragon's Lair ported to the Cocoa. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. It's got to be faster to read straight from the CD than to go through an emulated disk and yada, yada. Right. Yeah.
0: And this thing auto increments through, and it's it's not even MMU-tied. Like basically, you just point it to like a 2-gig video file you want or whatever. That's probably exaggerating. You probably wouldn't do one that size, but you could. And then you basically just say, start giving me bytes, and it'll just basically throw a byte at you every time you load it, or two bytes at a time. Um, and then you can interleave like uh, the demo program Ed did, which interleaves graphics and sound. And he did some 20-frame-per-second uh, uh, music videos that he actually ran on the Cocoa 1 and 2 at that speed using this technique so i'm uh, definitely glad that glenn figured it out and uh has released the library so people can actually give it a shot mm. next step alan's been a busy boy again this week uh the first one here is a blog post he wrote about a program he wrote for and you can see the name on the screen for laverne ricks uh and this is when alan had just moved to Lufkin, texas just finished graduating high school and uh made paper route files. So this person, Laverne had a really large paper route and she needed to keep track of like who is actually supposed to get papers and who's not supposed to get papers. Unlike the paper boy game, I don't think you just huck them through the window and smash them in, which uh, <laughs> unfortunately did some more fun. Um, but basically he kind of goes to history of developing that program for, it was based on some earlier work he did for his cassette based BBS that he used to run. And, uh, he kind of goes through, you know, how we got everything set up and the history of the project. Unfortunately, he did go try to find, since he discovered this again, to find Laverne. And unfortunately, she passed away a few years ago. So, um, but it's interesting kind of going into his history. Uh, but we'd been doing this little program for, you know, basically a neighbor back in uh, just after he graduated high school. And then the other thing he's been doing is he's been working with a chat GPT AI, which is uh, hopefully one of you guys has had a bit of experience. I know it was covered by The Verge and some other big tech. Uh, magazines online about this chat bot thing that basically has got a lot of AI tied into it and, and you can throw it all kinds of things and it actually responds fairly well some of the time, most of the time. And he actually threw in some uh, six nine assembly language code at it and he threw in some basic code at it. There's two separate blog posts on that. And it actually had some accuracy figuring out on its own what the program did. I've never seen it before. Like he uh, did a little assembly thing here uh, we you know, basically did a clear screen routine. And then it says the clear subroutine in this code is used to clear the screen, and initialize it with a grid of green squares. So it actually did figure out, you know, just from looking at 689 source code, kind of what that little routine does, which is <coughs> a pretty fascinating bit of AI there. And then on the basic one, <coughs> he did a, nam- a quick little number guessing game that he had written on the Cocoa way back when, and it kind of figured most of that out on its own, too. It's not always accurate. It did have some other stuff you mentioned on Facebook where, you know, it, it did misinterpret some things. But uh, that's pretty impressive. And I, I mean, how far are we away where you can actually give it the description of what you want it to do? And it'll generate the code instead of the other way around. Is the question. And then, you know, Nick and I are out of jobs. <laughs>
13: yeah.
7: Yeah, there's a big fight with that on uh, GitHub's Copilot. Um, that is an, an AI that you kind of start typing a piece of code and it'll suggest and finish. Chunks of it for you, and uh, people have found that the set that it was trained on contained code that was not licensed to be freely available. And uh, <laughs> there's been a little bit of hot water going on with that, um, but the experiments continue. And recently, there was a a reuse of that same Copilot AI as a command line guesser, where you could start to type a command, and the 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 Copilot AI would finish out all the command for you typed in on the command line. So yeah, that stuff is actually kind of already here. And there are a lot of ramifications and questions that are swirling around since it uh, dropped.
0: So you you obviously know a bit more about this than, than I do. I just know what from what Alan was mentioning here. Is this just some sort of like web front end that you just send it stuff for it to try to figure out? Or you try to have a conversation with like, how does this thing work?
7: Uh, chat GPT, I don't know. Um, but some of them are, uh, they're APIs that you call and you then wrap that into your integrated development environment or your command line so that, you know, it takes what you're sending, sends it off to the model. The model makes its reply, sends you back a packet of info and then you decide whether you want to use it or not. And, uh, there, there are some that are now being tied into like mobile applications and stuff like that. So it's getting more and more pervasive. But fundamentally, it's an API that you call that is making a request packet to a giant farm that has been trained on a large data set to the point where it seems to be able to generate reasonable output based on whatever the inputs are. Okay. Okay.
0: Because actually I'm just rereading the the basic blog post here. And actually this is one where he asked the question, can you write a guess the number game in basic? And it returned a basic guessing number game as well as a, you know, kind of description up here. So actually it is writing its own code. And that's the code it generated there. So that's, that's pretty impressive. I mean, I probably can't say, you know, make centipede and it'll, it'll do it for you, but
7: that's next year. (laughs) They've already they've already got it trained to play Centipede to win. And that training model um would be part of the input to you know a game making AI. Yeah.
0: Cool. That's that's even more impressive than I thought then. Or further along than I thought anyway. Wow. Soon humans will
11: no longer <coughs> be needed.
7: Oh, word. <laughs> Untrue. <Wow. sighs> The the
1: The more code you feed
7: it, the more accurate it's going to get. And realize that all the press you're seeing has cut out all the blooper reel. And the blooper reel would be like when Microsoft put their chat AI on the web, and within a day, the web had corrupted it to the point they had to take it down for good. Yeah, it loved Hitler and stuff, didn't Yeah, Yeah. it became like... Racist yeah. and anti-Semitic. <laughs> yeah, so there, there, there is some, and there's also scientists talking about what happens when robots come in contact with humans, and the robots have to follow the rules, and the humans don't. Uh, and that started up a lot here recently with these auto driving cars. So the same, the, oh. this same process works with these auto driving cars, is they've been fed these huge sets of data about sensors and situations and things like that, and ground out models that contain these appropriate outputs. And then the robot follows the law. And so it can't get on the freeway because it's waiting for the appropriate distance and speed and things like that. Meanwhile, <laughs> humans are just cutting it off because they don't have to follow the law. And, that you sounds know, like humans. <laughs> yeah, there's a robot in Japan that, that learned to avoid children and hide by their parents because whenever the robot was left alone with the children, the children would then basically abuse it. And so on the security cameras, after a while, they realized this robot prototype was following these children's humans around so that the the, the parent would keep the robot from getting abused. So, yeah, we're a long way from some things and we're, we're already there on others. And uh, these kinds of systems, um, there's a lot of people that are like, is that code that's auto written? Who really owns it? Does the, the the model itself own it? And how does that work legally? Or does it have to be all released? You know, so, yeah, we, we've got the technology. We just, and and we can abuse it. We just don't know exactly how we can use it in the long run.
0: Yeah, because what you got to do now is you got to teach a robot morals, basically. And then
7: whose morals
0: get taught?
5: Eh, give it 50 years. They'll be taken over by then. I don't think it'll take that long.
7: Or we'll just train it all on our brain after Google lets us upload it, because they promised to do that in 50 years, about 10 years ago. So we got about 40 years left, and then all of our brain patterns can be used to just finish training the robots. And there's a really fun thought experiment called Roko's Basilisk, where the AI then decides who lives and who dies based on who helped it learn. And if you're the kind of person that avoids teaching the AIs things, you might be on a future target list that you don't quite know about yet because it doesn't exist yet.
0: yet. I just got to make my own AI to combat the other AI.
10: <laughs> so what you're saying is we've we've learned how to abuse AI, but we haven't learned how to use it, use AI.
0: <laughs> hey, Aaron in the chat says, teach the robots morals. The heck with that. Let the robots rule us like kings. And my answer to that is: Have you ever watched Terminator?
7: <laughs> yeah, uh, the guys that run into the Skynet camp. I don't know. Let me know how that
5: goes. Anyone ever see the movie Transcendence? Uh, oh, you mean the other guy? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. Um, I think it was Johnny Depp that starred in it. Anyway, right, right. yeah. So he's. He was like he had like terminal cancer, so he like scanned his brain into the into a computer, and and it gained access to the web and and uh, uh, augmented his abilities and tried to take over the world. It was great. So <laughs> so it, it, that means in the future, all we have to do is like have our brains scanned by a computer, and our consciousness can live on on the
7: internet forever and we'll have immortality as long as you pay all the content licensing fees <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that exists there there is a
6: very funny video <clears> out <throat> as there as long as you pay the hosting fees <laughs> that too
0: but i'm absolutely like so gonna hate life. the lawyer ai when it's born i can tell already
7: yeah that's the that's the video that i'm talking about is this welcome to life 1.0 and it's like, you've had an accident and we've uploaded your brain. Now let's get you all set up in your new existence. Oh, hey, you've got all these songs in your memory. Would you like to pay a big fortune to relicense them? Oh, no? Okay, we'll delete those. Oh, do you want to have the premium channel? Well, no, I guess not. So we'll just cover the sky in occasional advertising. This is a hilarious video. I'll try to find that and put that on the Discord somewhere.
0: Yeah, it's a fascinating topic and, and a little bit scary at the same time.
7: <clears throat> <laughs> or
0: after hearing you guys talk a lot scary at the same time. <laughs> anyway, on to more pleasant things. <clears throat> so we have a couple of updates for the Coco Pie project uh, from Ron Klein. So there's the newest version of XROAR, which is the 1.2.719 work in progress package. And since Karen is actually in the chat, he can mention exactly what all has been updated there. And also it includes the new MAME 0.250 package, which includes the AgVision, uh, the Elanco AgVision that uh, Terry was sh- d- hinting at earlier. Tim Litter's actually put that in. It was also part of his video when he was actually writing a server to simulate it, um, as well as the regular Shack uh, video text terminal. So those are now emulated. MAME. you can fiddle with those on the Cocoa Pie as well. Um, and we'll see if uh, Kieran mentions that thing. I know one thing Kieran uh, mentioned in Discord is due to complaints from several people, including myself. Uh, about the uh, default behavior when you're loading a disk image that any writes you do to it get lost as soon as you quit XRAR. And I've actually edited code on the thing. And then one case, I edited it for several hours. And then when I quit, it was gone, which none of the other emulators do. And I do understand a little bit of, of Karen's approach. He wants to make sure you didn't accidentally corrupt your disk. Well, personally, I just back it up before I am going to fiddle with it. But I'm actually programming on the thing. You know, I want it to keep the changes. So I don't know if that's what this particular work in progress is for. As I did, you know, he did mention he's going to change the behavior a bit so you can actually save it as a default that will save the disk image when you exit. So, uh, Karen, pipe up in the chat there and let us know if that's what if this one is or is this something totally different. Next up, uh, Floyd Resler, who um, was very active in the co community in the early 90s, he did a ton of games for uh, OS 9, Nitrostein, 9, several of which are on EOU um in fact uh his space app game is going to be a new one on eou 1.0.0 um but he actually had this interesting question he posted on the coco facebook group and he was asking for responses and he's had over 50 now and says i'm curious as to how everyone got their first color computer for me it was when i was in college i was looking at the Commodore 64 and the color computer the deciding factor for me was that i could use a standard cassette player to save and load programs but c64 i would have to buy this special cassette player so then he starts asking you know what what everybody else experience, like why did you get the cocoa at first and for some people you know why did you get the cocoa later because you might add something else first so uh rather than read all 50 responses here i thought i would just poke the panel here and see if uh, anybody wants to relay the story as to why they picked the cocoa as their as well, their machine
5: th- mine is listed at the bottom of the
0: screen there see that okay now for the audio listeners who can't see that <laughs> oh
1: <laughs> what, oh, you what are, would what are. you say
0: i'll read it if you want
5: <laughs> But yeah, uh, yeah. I noticed my
0: response is listed there. Okay, and what was your response basically? Uh, Just like I said for the audio um, listeners.
5: Yeah, well, yeah. So basically, um, I'll summarize what I wrote there. Basically, uh, I I, wanted—I really wanted a uh, color—no, I really wanted a a home computer back in 1983, and and I really wanted one really bad. So I started saving up my money to buy a a TI-99-4A, which were going really cheap at the time because they were discontinuing the computer. And so they had like liquidation sales. Right. So I was like, Hey, I can afford one of those. And so I started saving up money and my parents, um, tried everything they could to like dock my allowance and stuff like that for the slightest infractions to try to prevent me from saving up enough money to get one. And, um, (laughs) so then, December rolled around and I was like, you know what, Christmas is coming up soon. Uh, Why don't I just hold off until after Christmas? Who knows what'll happen, right? So sure enough, on Christmas morning, there was a uh, a nice, bright, shiny new uh, uh, Tandy Color Computer 2 with 16K of memory. And I was really excited. Um, It was not the TI-99 4A that I wanted to get, but I think my parents, probably bought the computer from Radio Shack uh, earlier, and that's why they were preventing me from saving up enough money, was because they already got <laughs> me a computer. Um, and, they, and my father wisely chose um, the Color Computer because, well, first of all, unlike the TI-99-4A, it wasn't being discontinued. <laughs> and so uh, he uh, thought it would be better to get a computer that actually was gonna stick around for a while. And was supported by a national or nationwide chain of retail stores, and and uh, that there uh, would be much better support for it, and so on. And um, so, uh, yes, a uh, good decision on my father's part. But that's that's basically why I got a color computer. It was it was my father's decision, really. Um, and uh, but uh, he chose wisely. Uh, uh, you were well yeah.
2: served by that decision. I bought a yes, nine-inch yes. for a hundred bucks ended up using its keyboard on my ZX81 before I bought my Coco. Yep. That's what the 994A was worth to me. You couldn't do anything <laughs> with it. You couldn't expand it. You couldn't afford anything. I put the thing for 100 bucks. That's all I could do. I couldn't afford another single thing for it ever. So,
1: Yeah.
0: In my case, I, I'd gotten used to using the PET in 79 and then the Apple II in 1980 at school. And uh, they were selling off the pets for dirt cheap, 150 bucks they were selling them for, but there was only two that they'd been rotating around schools. And by the time I finally convinced my mom and dad to help chip in, because I had been saving allowance up for any computer myself during that time period from paper ads. And the two were already gone. So I didn't get that. And the Apple II was like say, 17, $1, $1,800 $1, Canadian. So there's no way in hell I was getting that. So I was looking at around like what else is available. Um, and I wanted to get color and sound. So I, the VIC-20 had just come out um the coco one that was out and the atari was out now the atari was still pretty expensive that time and i wanted a, a non-membrane keyboard so the 400 was out so the 800 was like a thousand bucks american i think it was $1, 13 1400 here so i was out of my range i was basically almost as expensive as the apple II was so the coco <clears throat> i went in the store and the keyboard just you know it was it was okay at least had keys that went down but uh it wasn't the greatest keyboard <laughs> And the, the the green screen honestly was not attractor a for me when I first saw it. What 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 sold me on it was a the price was fairly good and uh, it was a little bit more expensive than the Vic 20 at the time. But the basic manual because the Radio Shack managers left the basic manual outside the demo machine, and I went in there and I saw there was like sound commands and play commands and you know circle commands for drawing graphics. And then when I went I checked out the Vic 20 and it said you know, poke this, poke that and generally not as good of a basic and i had no idea what assembly language even was at that point never mind how to use it so that wasn't a uh, the fact that 689 was superior two was not in my head space at all either but just the basic is what sold me the extended basic which i didn't end up getting off the back cause I couldn't afford it um but knowing that i could upgrade to that later that's what sold me on it the basic was really 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 good and it was one of the cheapest machines with color and sound
5: yeah, we're, we're lucky. the our Our Cocos have one of the best versions of Basic out there. I think for 1980s era uh, home computers, and not only was the Basic superior to others, but the manuals that uh, yeah. that came with the computer were extraordinary. They were they they were outstanding. I, it was easy to learn basic using those manuals they provided, which was awesome.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. That is the best, still the best basic manual I've seen that came with a computer. Yeah, really.
2: Tandy bought everything. We had the graphics extensions, we had the disk extensions, we had everything Microsoft could write. And I loved it. That's, it kept me in the
0: Cocoa Food. <laughs> also, before I forget, Karen did answer about um, the version of XR that's included with the update to Cocoa Pi. You see, I think that snapshot is mostly fixed is uh, data DOS and illegal instructions. It does not include the disk write back change. That'll be coming in a future one. Anybody else have any uh, little mini stories about, as to how they ended up picking the cocoa? Well,
11: I, I, uh, 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 go ahead, Ron. Ron okay, on first,
0: uh, then Terry. 77,
12: 78. I was looking at uh, Radio Shack window, you know, and looking at the um, Model 1. It was expensive and I couldn't afford it, but I, I went in, I played on the keyboard. I, I was pretty much hypnotized, you know, I wanted that sucker, but, um, it didn't uh, it really happen. My brother-in-law got a uh, Vic 20 and I think 82. And, um, you know, the way it loaded, it was so slow and it was kind of, you know, crappy and it was expensive too still. So, um, the, Right at that time, uh, I think 82, 83-ish, the MC-10 came out. So I snagged one of those, and I played with it, and I made a whole bunch of tapes. And then I finally uh, got a Model 1 um, cocoa from my wife's uh, boss. He uh, sold me the uh, TV behind me there, and the disc drive, and a uh, uh, silver cocoa with a um, uh, multi-pack, and a printer, uh, line printer seven, <clears throat> the whole thing with a box of, uh, floppies. It was great. And that guy was, uh, in the future, he, uh, had sportswear so and, uh, oh, okay. did, yeah. So anyway, so that's how I got my first Coco, and, um, you know, I went on from there, but one interesting thing is, uh, um, uh, I never really stopped at Cocoa. You know, after all these years, I've always had one set up. I've always used one, so I've never had uh, the ability to say, if it wasn't for a Cocoa Talk or if it wasn't for uh, a Rainbow or if it wasn't for whatever, that I would still, that I went back into Cocoa because I never really left it all these years,
0: All of, yeah. all of these years. I cut mine back, but I always did have one set up here, even when I, you know, was not doing active yeah. development, and just running my web page. Same thing. I, I always had it up and running for, yeah, nostalgia on um, a weekend.
12: Recently, I remember uh, running across a couple of CDs that have compilations of uh, some of my Coco uh, programs, and I'm trying to think uh, in my mind. I said this last week. I think um, why I had those specific programs in a group when they didn't have any rhyme or reason, and if you think of it. Back in the day when we went online or if we traded programs, um, you would get what you think was cool at the time. And it didn't include a lot of stuff. It just was haphazard, you know, selections of games and, and applications. And it turns out that some of that was because, you know, you went online and you spent hours downloading with, uh, X modem, Y modem, whatever, (laughs) and putting, uh, all your programs together and, um, you know, and it really, uh, in the beginning I, I was never, when I saw the Vic 20, that was it for me. I did I didn't care for it. Uh, but I've never been exposed to, I've never seen an Apple run. I've never seen, um, I think a friend had a TI 99 and he, he had a, a huge table with everything <laughs> yeah, a expansion going to, to the left the side. <laughs> to, to, to the right, you
0: know. It's like a Sinclair except the sideways. Yeah.
12: And um, I just, uh, I've never seen other machines. I, I joined a cocoa club and I was always cocoa. Everything was cocoa. There was really no other machines. You know, every once in a while, somebody would talk about one like they do here, You uh, see 64s you know. And uh, I've joined a couple of other groups just to see what they're doing, you know. But, um, and I have no I, I don't need to think I even go uh, have joined an Apple group because I just have no interest in Apple whatsoever. Sorry, <laughs> just don't
0: cool. That's it for me. Terry, you said you uh, you had a story too.
11: Well, I, I mine's more of a reason, I guess why we got it. Um, living in a pretty rural area. Radio shacks were, you know the only thing really around. We had one other computer store um you know it was about 60 miles away but you know i'll be honest they were kind of arrogant <laughs> jerks you <whatever, laughs> go in there um the radio shack guy you know my dad uh, he was big into electronics and you know building stuff soldering stuff so they were awesome to us you know they would talk i i had tons of questions about you know what the heck is this thing we had a model one and our school had um, Model 1s and Model 3s. Well, they scrapped the entire computer lab and got apples. And the janitor was good friends with my dad, and he gave us all of that gear. So I was trying to figure out how to make Model 1 um, drives work on my Cocoa, which, you know, worked fine. Um so, anyway, that's kind of why I got into the Cocoa, uh, was more through my dad. And I have really good memories of him and I doing those things together. So,
12: cool. That's neat. Uh-huh.
6: For me, right, I the had stuff. the choice that's between. Why I'm on a
11: dumpster show. <laughs>
6: oh, go ahead.
0: I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry about that. Oh. Go ahead, James. You're on a bit of a delay compared to the rest of us. So, <clears throat> oh, okay.
6: Um, I basically had, uh, I wanted an Atari. Yeah, I mean, let's face it, Star Raiders. But I wanted the 800, and it was ridiculously expensive. No way I was ever going to get that. And I wanted uh, something with a good basic language. And uh, my choices were VIC-20 or color computer, really, at that time. Yep, same as me. And uh, extended color basic, one hands down, over anything. And uh, the VIC-20 had a 22-column screen. The 32 on the Cocoa is bad enough. <laughs> that was a
1: big appointment. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: just want to mention 60 in the chat here. It says, my granddad bought one as I'd shown interest in the BBC Micros making their way in the schools, I think. And likewise, and I never really stopped using them, kind of like Ron mentioned or myself. And he said the RC forms and, and Coco Talk have certainly helped talk about them, though.
9: Um. I'll throw in my story. Some people have heard it. So uh, I'm an Apple snob. So uh, I, I bought an Apple <laughs> IIP. I'm sure there's treatment an for that. Here, I have
6: an
0: Apple. Yeah.
9: Well, <laughs> you know, now that you guys that own Apples now, well, you know, we won.
0: I don't have uh, anyway. one. So you didn't win or I
9: didn't lose. Yes, did you anything. do. You got a Mac. Never surrender. Yeah. Those Macintoshes are Apples, even if they're just the predicate. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, but anyway, um, so I actually got into the Coco because um, I got an Apple IIe Platinum system from a guy in 2012. And it had uh, the Apple IIe Platinum, a couple drives, and a monitor, and a printer, and a Coco 3, new in-box. And so it's like, huh, well, I'm not really into Radio Shack stuff. But then I realized, oh, you know, this has got the Motorola chip in it. And because, you know, that's kind of the predecessor to the 6502, the 6800, said, I'll keep this. Well, you okay. know, since then I've gotten four Cocoa Twos, another Cocoa Three, two Cocoa Ones, and a Dragon, Pano Dragon.
0: So, yeah. And, and the original prototype Mac by Jeff Raskin was a 6809 too. So, yeah, it was. So, it must anyway.
6: have them all. In, in defense
0: <laughs> of having a Mac, uh, being an Apple, I would have to say it's because I hate Windows even more than I hate Apple. So, I'm just
9: gonna <laughs> <laughs> i just uh, I went with Windows because, well, that's where all the applications were and the people. And then OS 2 and then you know, Apple Killer. Windows killed that
0: Microsoft. I'm still unhappy with them, by the way. Yeah, yeah. most 2 was actually
12: pretty decent, considering. Yeah. You know,
0: when actually, when I two, uh, when I got
12: my first MS DOS machine was a um, Tandy 1200 HD, and it was DOS. You know, there was no Windows on it, so I learned DOS pretty good. And um, I must say, uh, that was you know the start of many MS DOS machines and then Windows machines. I think I started with three one. And then, um so, but I've always had uh, a color computer to the side or, you know, I, I couldn't really afford some of the programs for MS-DOS stuff, you know, because they were expensive and I it didn't belong to a group to get programs free or anything. And there was a lot of free shareware and stuff that you could download, but it was pretty mundane and, you know was cga or what hercules cards then and stuff you know so it was monochrome and um you know the color computer was color so that kept my attention going even though i had DOS machines you know in the beginning
0: yeah i think my highlight is when we had our super system at work with eight terminals hooked up which are mostly like adms and there's Zieglers and uh video tech or um VT100, etc. But actually, one of our terminals was a 386. <laughs> <laughs> it was a terminal on the Cocoa 3, so that was
13: that was that was fun. Um, for me, they they told me that uh, you write games on this, uh, you'll become uh, you'll be rich, you'll be a millionaire. So that's how I got my Cocoa. and uh, oh, well, they uh, lied. <laughs> 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 so I've spent the last forty years trying to make up for it. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon another forty, maybe.
6: <laughs> you might. It might pay for itself. <laughs> yeah,
13: that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Maybe I got a quick story, or should I go on to the next
13: news item?
10: Well, if you're going to twist my arm, I can uh, give a quick synopsis. Okay. Uh,
13: of the arm twist.
10: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Christmas '84. I got a Commodore Plus Four because my parents loved me so much. And then <laughs> summer you sure of that, some. <laughs> uh, if you knew this, the plus four in America, you'd know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um,
10: then uh, summer of '85, I got myself an Atari 800, and used them, and went from them to the uh, um, Amiga, Macintosh, PC and then all the way in 2009-2010 when the Donkey Kong Transcode was uh, released a friend of mine uh, gave me a Coco 3 and uh, that sat here unused until two years ago last month and I started using the Coco in uh, well September of uh, 2020 and uh, haven't looked back at anything but an at Atari and a Cocoa since.
0: Cool. <clears throat> I did want to mention one of the replies on the web here, Joanne uh, Donaldson has actually been on the show probably a year or two ago. So I got my Cocoa one and they were still breakout cases, Cocoa one. I used my Cocoa until the Cocoa three came out. I bought my Cocoa three because I was working at NASA JSC and a lot of the engineers liked the Cocoa three. And then he started using OS9. I'm guessing the engineers probably did that too. So that's kind of cool. It has a bit of a NASA connection in his case. Robert Payne. That's cool
10: right here. Yeah. Oh, and uh, side note, the Plus 4 was not a cut-down VIC-20. The Plus 4 was the greatest Commodore ever made since the Amiga. Sorry. <laughs> it just
12: wasn't a lot of software Didn't for it? did it come out before the Amiga?
10: Yes, it did. It was, uh, it was actually released in 84, and because it was such a big flop, because they sold it As a replacement for the Commodore 64 and it wasn't a replacement for the Commodore 64 By January they went from four hundred dollars to hundred dollars in clearance places and then eventually uh, Because no one in the u.s. Would buy them. They were sent over to the to the uh, Eastern uh, European area and sold at great discount where they became very popular.
6: I really like the plus four it's probably the closest to the Cocoa of any of the Commodores.
10: Yeah. I've actually got one that's signed by uh, uh, Bill Hurd himself. Cool.
6: For those that don't know, Bill Hurd pretty much yeah. he was did most of the design.
10: Yeah, he was the, main, the principal designer of it. And the C-128. Yep, and I've got a C-128 with his signature also.
6: <laughs> well... It, you know, it's pretty hard to have a computer succeed when the magazine's reviewers are the ones that are saying that it's a replacement for the C64 and it's not as good and all that kind of crap, you know, it's just...
10: Well, I mean, it wasn't just them. It was That was around the time that uh, Trammell had left uh, Commodore, and Trammell had other ideas for it, but he didn't share those ideas with the people that were staying. He, it was supposed to be a replacement for the B128, the business computer. So. Anyway,
0: if any of the rest of you but. want to share any uh, <laughs> memories along that line too, you can actually hit the Facebook poster that Floyd put up and, and kind of respond there too. Like I said, there's been over 50 responses already. We've had some responses here on the show as well. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of interesting to see how you know different people got into it for what reasons and, and what time period. You know, Cocoa 1, Cocoa 2, Cocoa 3, did they get it during the day when they were being sold? At Radio Shacks did you get into them afterwards as part of retrocomputing in general? So it's an interesting topic. We could literally go on for hours on this, and I don't want to subject the audience to that.
6: <laughs> oh. Are you saying asparagus?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, Antonio Caballero has actually... Uh, well, we've seen some of these, like we uh, showed the video that Tim Linder had posted up about uh, say, assembling his program pack uh, duplicate boxes being flat printed out. Antonio here has done a remastered box template for the Direct Connect modem pack uh, box here. So if your modem pack box is damaged and you have the facility to print it, you can download this, uh, I don't know what you call it, a schematic, I guess. I'm not, that's not the right term, but, but basically you can actually print out, and you can actually reduplicate it. And if you get a die cut in the proper spots there, you can actually duplicate the box and, and, and have it looking just like the brand new one from back in the day. And that's something I'm, I'm not sure if the other computers are doing that as much. I know there's a lot of eBay sales that if you've got the original packaging in really good shape, the price goes up because it's a collectible type thing. Um, personally, I'm not a collector-style thing. I prefer to use stuff. So I wouldn't mind replacing some really, really damaged boxes with a replacement like this. I'd be perfectly fine than trying to hunt down an original and, and paying some exorbitant price for it. I'm just wondering, what, what do you guys, are you guys on the collector side of things where it has to be original? Or are you perfectly fine with... Uh, duplications of, of original boxes. Yeah,
6: that stuff got thrown
0: out. Oh, you didn't so, keep the boxes at all, so you have no chide to them at all? Yeah. Yeah, it got, like, the cartridge
6: boxes, all of that. The, that type of stuff got thrown out, so it's... You know, it'd be cool
12: well, if he misspelled something on the box. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but the important thing is you need the foam inner to make this worthwhile, so it's, it's a valid thing. It means you have almost everything if this box is useful at all, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can see box? like the people opening up retro museums and stuff that you are showing off some of this old stuff. If they can't find a decent quality box for a certain hardware cartridge, or maybe an actual computer itself, if you can make a duplicate that, you know, at, at first glance is looking exactly like the original, just to show what the history of that product packaging was, I think it would be worthwhile doing this kind of stuff. Personally at, uh, I'm like I, James. I didn't quite throw them out. I usually kept some of them out so they got really damaged, but I don't collect them, so I don't really care if they're damaged or not. I feel mm-hmm.
11: the same way. I do
0: try to collect them as much as I can. And yeah, well, you, you're have. one of the like you and Brian Wieser are collectors. I mean, you want the original, like this is the way it was sold in 1983 or whatever. Like that's, yeah, that's, that's part of that
11: sort
6: view. of thing is really popular on some of the other other computers. I. I know Atari and stuff like that because some people they want the boxed set and stuff.
11: Yeah, and it's hard to find. I mean, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you said, a lot of people got these. They got them for Christmas, throw the package out, and you know they, they got it to play. And and I did too. But uh, I, I guess it's more of a completist mentality for me at the moment. Well,
6: in <laughs> my case, it
11: was more or less.
6: I kept the packages until I went to college, and then my mom decided to make my bedroom into an art room, and they got thrown out.
11: Yeah, I think there's a lot of attics that uh, made a lot of uh, boxes disintegrate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <The> heat. <laughs> Wayland in the chat is saying it's it's good to show what this looked like new rather than yellowed and old to get a history lesson that this old gear was the latest thing at one time and it looked exciting and new. And I think that's one thing a lot of the retro computer museums are starting to do is trying to get some of this original packaging or duplications that are pretty well identical to the original so that you can actually kind of get that feel. If you walked into a Shack store in 1983, what would the shelves look like or, you know, with the little hangers with all the software on type thing?
11: In 30 years. Price there? stickers that said, you know, there's three deep" stuck on top of each other as the price. Went
12: <laughs> <up>. <laughs> Go ahead, Ron. I just wonder in 30 years, you know, there's going to be 12 people that are interested in this stuff. And
0: it's Numbers scary. are growing you right know. now. That's the surprising thing. I mean, uh, the no, I don't retros.
12: It. Well, it isn't here. We don't have. But didn't, didn't we have a, a
0: news <laughs> channel in Arizona we covered not too long ago that actually was had some retro gathering? I mm-hmm. thought that was in Phoenix, or something. It wasn't too long ago, but they actually had like it was it was making your local news that there was a retro group meeting that covered a bunch of things, including Cocos. Yeah, and I was going to say, did you see the attendance at VCF Midwest?
7: That's the largest that has been in ages.
0: Well, yeah,
10: the parking was. Uh,
7: what was the
6: video game
10: one in Seattle? I mean,
6: it was computers and video the one games. And Tim it? and AJ were at. Yeah, that was huge.
10: Yeah. Yeah, parking for VCF
6: Midwest. So, Ron, I
0: think we're just telling away. basically telling you you have to move uh yeah. to somewhere where it's, you know, in <laughs> in the wrong right. place. You're you're in the wrong place, man. You got the good weather, but <laughs> And that's the big but. <laughs> yeah. You can come up here to minus 30, it's fine. Yeah.
12: Then <laughs> then you you'd be burning those boxes just
0: to keep warm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's why I have none left now, Yeah,
12: that's why you don't have them.
0: (laughs) Okay, so this is a quick little video, Alderson Retro Computing, which we featured. He's done these little clips of how his computer career started with Coco's, and he's now acquired an MC-10, a Coco 3, etc. But this is the first time he himself has appeared on camera, and he's just did a quick little blip. He's playing GFL Championship Football 2, as it was called in the Coco version. I think it's just called GFL Championship Football and other machines, because Radio Shack already had original football characters, so they wanted to make sure the names were differentiated. So since we've never actually met him before, I thought we'd just play the 20-second clip in its entirety, and you can see GFL running in the background.
2: Hi. I thought I'd introduce myself. This is my Coco 3. It didn't look so bad for a computer that's almost 40 years old. Now, for me, I don't look so good.
0: A little worse (laughs) for wear. (laughs) And I think that's probably most of us on this panel. (laughs) It was nice a nice matching a, a face to the uh, the voice, though, because we played a lot of his little clips here when he's covered some things. And uh, it, I think he even covered, like, installing VCC and stuff, too, recently. But uh, it, it's nice to have a face to match. It's one of the reasons I like our show being video. Next up, now this is pretty cool. So, Vintage Geek on YouTube, and now they've covered some Coco stuff uh, before. I actually recently did some stuff where he's playing some of the Coco 3 games, like Microscopic Mission, etc., now, they're based in Knoxville, Tennessee, and they've actually got a Vintage Geek Museum that they're currently building. And this is a video where they interview a couple of people that are helping set up the museum besides the main host of the show. But Cocos are prominently displayed, and he actually said that during the interview that he's uh, used to using some of the Cocos and even some of the other tier on the Network 2-style controllers and stuff back when he was a kid. So I'll play a little bit of a clip here and kind of get an idea for it. My understanding is this museum's not open yet but the very first exhibit that they're going to be setting up to doing is setting up a, a classroom like it was back in the day. Nice. And uh, uh, I'm going to try and Ken and I will talk about this, you know, as, as Cocoa Fest grows closer that if I can manage to finagle some time extra off about maybe traveling down to see this, cause it's not too far of a drive from Chicago compared to, you know, driving from Saskatoon to Chicago, it's nothing. So,
14: I'm Aaron, welcome to Vintage Geek. Just a quick reminder, if you like vintage computers or discussing them, researching them, or perhaps visiting a museum about them, be sure to like and subscribe. It's gonna help us a lot as we grow the channel and the Vintage Geek Museum. Speaking uh, of which, we haven't had a trip to the Vintage Geek Museum here on the channel in a while, so I wanted to update everyone on the progress and what's going on. If you're familiar with the channel at all, you know that we're building a vintage computer museum here in Knoxville, Tennessee, to showcase a lot of the machines that we talk about on the channel regularly and to give people an experience to have a hands-on opportunity to use some of these vintage machines. And we're really excited about this. It's a lot of work and a long project ahead of us. We've made some significant progress and one of our first exhibits that we've been working on is the classroom exhibit. Computers were so instrumental to the classroom in the days that I was growing up and it's really a lot of the reason that I have the sentimental feelings toward vintage machines. Being able to sit down and use some of those classic programs in the classroom was really a great way to learn and made it a lot more fun and interesting and certainly made me interested in computers in general. So I'm hoping to share that feeling with the guests that come to the museum, give them a little bit of nostalgia for the old days, but also learn about how some of those systems worked, the evolution of computers over time in the classroom, and an opportunity to sit down and use some of these machines as well. So I'm here at the official welcome sign to our computer lab here at the Vintage Computer Museum. We're gonna take a step inside and kind of see how this is coming along. When it comes to taking on a project like creating a Vintage Computer Museum, it truly takes a team. We've been very lucky to assemble a really great team so far. One of our team members is Sally McCracken. Sally is our collections manager. She is also our exhibit designer. I know that when we first had the discussion, we talked about creating the kind of classroom environment that you might experience as a kid. Tell me a little bit about your process and, and kind of, you know, putting the design together.
0: I approached this from two different... Yeah, I won't play the whole interview, but it's got some interesting stuff in there, and they talk about some of their experiences of learning computers in school, what, what uh, programs they used, etc. They mentioned some things like Rocky's Boots, which is uh, one that's on the Cocoa as well. <clears throat> but you notice how prominently the uh, the Cocoas are being displayed on, on, on this. They've been panning by and even the Tandy, you know, blow up robot thing and stuff, too. So I, I definitely would love to see this exhibit here because it definitely seems to be a bit more Tandy and Cocoa focused than you probably would see in most computer museums. So uh, once this exhibit is open, I'm hoping that uh, if I can sneak it in after Cocoa Fest, I would love to go down and check this out. So. Anybody else that's planning to go to Cocoa Fest or is in that area, if uh, if we do make it down there, we'll have to arrange to all go down at the same time.
12: One, one of my uh, Cocoa Model 1s has uh, a sticker on it from the Rochester school system. I have it posted on my uh, Ron's Garage. It's interesting to see it, um, and it has a lot of wear on the front. It must have been used quite a bit at school.
0: Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, our schools here, we we had Apple IIs or pets. There was one physics class that had a Model 1 tucked away in the back room. Uh, but other than that, it was nothing but that. And then when I went back to visit my school during one of the early reunions, it was all PCs by that point. So we didn't see any Cocos in schools there. Though I did bring mine to school multiple times because we used to have times where people brought in their own home machines. We'd get to compare and try everybody else's. Like I got to try TI-99s and VIC-20s and C64s and Atari 400, 800s and... Model 1s and 3s and 4s, etc. It was, it was a lot of fun. And we always had these you know competitions of, you know, who has the best version of Zaxxon, you know, type of thing.
7: If uh, anyone is interested in helping out the Vintage Geek Museum, Justin, one of the uh, curatorial assistants, is also on the Discord and was talking about trying to get a BBS set up there. use as a guest book so um you know if you see justin handles lonely rolling stars if you see lonely rolling stars asking questions about bbsing and serial ports and multi-packing and whatever else uh try to pitch in on that and uh get that exhibit going even even better okay
0: that's cool um yeah, if, if you talk to him much, there maybe mention we should try to get him on the show. He can kind of talk about the the museum and also you know the setup they're doing for the educational display, and maybe even what dates they're they're planning on being open to, to exhibit that to the public. Next up, Nick Brisevac. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but uh, my apologies if I'm not. And he posted on Facebook here, including this photo here, but he says, I've been playing around with controllers again. The case is a 3D print of a macro (coughs) keyboard design I came across on Thingiverse. It's been repurposed as a paddle gamepad-style controller for the Coco based on one of my previous builds. The directional keys are reversed. The two action keys are on the left, depending on which way the controller is used. And you can see the nice big paddle there as well as the four arrow keys and the two red buttons. So this sounds like it would have been perfect for the game of the week here, Ken." Or Sloopy, for that matter.
10: Yeah, it does look like it was, uh, would be great for it. I, when I saw it, that's what I was thinking. But I was trying to understand what it means by the action keys are backwards.
0: I, I think he means that like normally when you have a T shape like that, you usually have the up arrow isolated on the top row, and he's got it kind of the other way around with the arrows on the bottom. And I don't know if he's rewired it so that the up-down is opposite. So that's the way you hold it, or or what he's talking about here. I would
10: think that you'd use it the other way around so that your hand is coming from the non dial side of it. But.
0: Because normally, if you have a curve, like a flat edge on there, on the top part where the keys are, and then the curved part, you normally would hold it the way it's oriented here, I would think.
10: Yeah. So if you're. It's a bit bit of an odd
0: odd, odd design choice there, but uh, I'd have to try it. I I, I don't know.
10: Yeah, because if your palm's on the. is on the dial, then yeah, that would be a little a bit
1: odd.
2: This is kind of the weird design of that uh, Brazilian cocoa that we saw. Yeah, kind of reminiscent of that a yeah, little bit. I now. think we weird
0: that way. That it didn't really make sense to me on that one either. Mm. so it's an interesting design. And now that we've actually had some people interested in you know hooking up paddles as opposed to joysticks for certain types of games that only use the one axis, like any of the you know Arkanoid, Pong. Kim Boom style games will all, all benefit from that kind of thing. In fact, if I remember was War Kings, I think it just uses left and right to move around. I know Castle Guard uses four directions, but... And then, as been mentioned before, if you actually design some games to be single-axis only, you could make a four-player game. You can just have it diverge two off of each port and the Y-axis and the X-axis can be separate controllers, literally.
10: A four-player uh, Warlords for the uh, Cocoa. Yeah. That'd be nice.
0: Next, after that, another poll on Facebook in the Coco Group this time put up by James Ross, and this was a fairly simple one. What was your next, and he mentioned 1632-bit computer, for daily use, work or play after the Coco or other 8-bit computer? Now, I would have fallen into the other category because the TC9 was my next one that I used, and that's just a a Coco with, you know, some enhanced hardware. Uh, But you can see that here that the uh, x86 DOS Windows definitely ran away with over 60%. Uh, Second place was the Amiga. Um, 17%. And then after that is the Atari ST. So people were sticking with Motorola for the most part. And then the uh, 68K or Power, or PowerPC, Apple Macintosh at 4%. And then Linux boxes, x86 at 2%, 68K Linux boxes at 1%, and then other. So well, since we've got some panelists here, I was just going to ask what, what you guys went to.
7: Look at the time period kind of that you get the slice of here. The x86 DOS and Windows compared to an Amiga or an ST as the choice at that time. So the Mac in '84 was still monochrome. The DOS PC was basically CGA, maybe EGA garbage. Then you have the Amiga <laughs> and the ST. All right, so yeah, everyone got PCs because they were trying to get jobs and deal with schoolwork. But anybody that actually had any sort of choice probably ran at the machines that actually looked more fun and more creative. So it took a, it took Apple a little bit further to get past. Where I mean, there was a big fight for the Amiga and ST versus Apple stuff uh, for a while there. So yeah. yeah, I mean, my next machine off this list would have been a, an Amiga.
6: So mine was an Amiga. Mine was.
0: Yep. My, mine, mine was actually the DOS Windows box. I got a 386SX after. And that was after my TC9 took me right through until around 2000. I just picked up a use 386. Well,
5: yeah, mine, mine was a DOS Windows box, but there was a gap. Because my my Cocoa... Well, I stopped using my Cocoa in 1992. And so for a while, I didn't even have a computer. I would buy, borrow my father's laptop if I needed to, you know you uh you know do anything on a computer so i didn't get a new computer of my own until about 1998 when i got a used uh uh, pc so my choice you know so my answer would have been x86 dos windows but there was a gap in there uh, where i was just I didn't have my computer of my own. I just borrowed my father's, or
0: and and that's a good yeah. point. It depends on when you exited. Like some people exited after the Cocoa Two. They they saw the Cocoa Three come on. there now, no, I want something a bit more powerful than that type thing. Some people did jump to the Amiga ST at that point. In my case, we ran the Cocoa Three at work until the year two thousand and one. So I was on Cocoa solid right through up until that point. TC Nine at home, which is a bit more advanced, but very. Uh, well, you...
12: When I was on the Cocoa One and Two. And I saw the um, CM8 come out. It really made the uh, Coco Three look like a, you know, upstanding, awesome computer to get. And so, I mean, that was, at cool. least you know, because I didn't have any exposure to other stuff anyway, except PC stuff. And how many of you guys built PCs? I, I built hundreds of them. It, hundreds.
0: I built them at work, so I was kind of sick of doing that already. (laughs) So
12: (laughs) So In my case, I was running
2: a construction company on my Coco 3 with Sculptor to do the tax man stuff and all of that. So I was kind of stuck there until I got my new job at a call center and they showered me with Unix, Linux things. So I I never really did DOS. I mean, I played with it a little bit, but I never did anything serious on it because I needed the Coco 3 for the stuff I already written. And then I moved straight into Unix.
5: I never remember
12: uh, installing different DOSes as they went along, you know, up to, what,
0: 6.2? Yeah, unless you went to Novell one. or Deer or DOS and yeah. went past it. Um, was
12: it uh, DOS 4 that had a little bit of an interface in there? <laughs>
6: um, oh, they had that uh, oh, that goodness. mouse interface thing. The
7: executive, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember that.
6: Yep. Yeah. I, uh, oh, an abomination. I actually had to program something for that.
5: <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I never built my own PC, but I've heavily modified uh, PCs. You know, added memory, added new hard drives. Uh, you know, added sound boards and mm-hmm. you know uh, graphics uh, boards and stuff. So I've I've done that. So
1: yeah. just short
5: of building my own, um, i I've, I've heavily modified a few. I can remember having a four eighty
12: six DX one hundred in my hand thinking, wow, this sucker's fast, you know, <laughs> and putting it in. It you know, looking at the manual to set the jumpers right and everything, and turn it on, and then start find video somewhere <laughs> and play the video and see if it didn't jerk like the three eighty six did. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> or like me trying to stream off YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I this is completely from, off topic here, but I want to get this in for it scrolls off. Uh, there's a question from a user in the chat named LS Dowdle. And he says, I'm fairly new to your show here, um, but I'm a big Mr. FPGA user, and I'd like to get the Coco3 going on that. any regular Mr. Coco3 users. I think, if I remember correctly, the Coco3 cores a little bit buggy at the current time. Is that correct? I don't have a Mr., so I'm just kind of going off memory here.
12: Roger Taylor is the one to contact, right?
0: Yeah, well, there's a a free core that I think is a bit more primitive than Roger's. has got the commercial core that he actually charges a little bit of money for, if I remember correctly. And his is a lot more closer to the... My
7: my advice would be to get on to the Coco Discord and connect up with the FPGA and Mr. Crowd there and and be able to ask uh, your questions back and forth more interactively. Um, But if you use Roger Taylor's real Coco core (coughs) with the Mr. Board... Um, you, there is a nitrous nine, uh, port for it and, uh, it works really well, uh, running the cocoa, you know, cocoa three as a, as an experience. There are some folks here in this show and, and that have been on the panel as well that, that have that. So, uh, back and forth in the show chat might not be the best way to try to answer the how to questions that go with that, but the discord would definitely be a good place for that. <laughs> There uh, is also a Coco 3 FPGA group on groups.io that uh, addresses uh, much of the similar topics using a slightly different Altera board and Gary Becker's uh, Open Core, which, uh, it, if it's slightly buggy, I haven't noticed it. So uh, it's a really good experience as well. I really, really uh, enjoy the FPGA version of a Coco 3 in addition to the the real hardware. Okay.
0: I was going to ask Boat, but I think he already uh, took off for the day here because he's got a mister. And I know he's... The Cocoa 1 and 2 core is pretty rock solid on it. Uh, the Cocoa 3 one, um, unless you get Rogers, I think it's a, it's a little bit further behind currently. It's it's getting updated. Hey, right, next up, a little bit of NC10 stuff here. So Jim Gary continues his Semigraphics Country Flag series. This time he's rendering the Chinese flag, and he has a bit of a political statement at the end here, which you can kind of see in the remarks here, that democracy always triumphs. So I'll play a little bit of that. And he's been doing a kind of series of these low-res you know, rendered flags of various countries here. So that's just this latest one. And then after that, Robert Sieg uploaded this. This is pretty cool. So his uh, full screen project, FSP, is that sprite package I was talking about earlier. We actually released a game that's based on it. Uh, but this here is the actual download for the actual package itself, including the source code. So six hundred three source code is included. And he's got a message to Karen, who's in the chat here. Hope you can still take a look at the code. Maybe in time you can make something usable in many terra cities that use the MC6847, the VDG chip. Any questions, let me know. So that's the one. It also mentions here the uh, the sprites and tiles sizes it handles, uh, which you use the Game Boy Sprite Generator software to create for. So 4x6, 8x8, 8x16, 16x16, and 32x32 pixels. So you can come kind of grab that on the MC10 group on Facebook. And then next up after that, Daniel Tuffison. Uh, posted on the MC10 Facebook group about his simpler 8K RAM upgrade for the MC10. Of course, the MC10 originally came with 4K. And he said basically it involves just replacing the RAM with a single chip, which is he labeled here as a 6264. It's not a chip I'm familiar with, but I'm not familiar with the MC10 in general. And a resistor to isolate the CPU address line 12 and the video address line 12 without any additional MUX or gate. And he's got some pictures of it here. So he said that this seems to be a simpler... Version of the upgrade that he's seen other previously. Now, for you people that have some experience with the MC10 hardware, I, I what? How does this sound to you guys?
6: I thought the piggyback method was slightly easier because you're just messing with chip selects, but uh, this would be cooler because it's uh, a newer RAM chip.
1: Okay, so it also
6: just a, a new easy... manufacturer? Or? Well, yeah, I can't remember which RAM chips in it, but um, well, actually. I got one sitting <laughs> here, you know. Leave <laughs> uh, it our pal. Just have an open MC10 lying around.
10: Yeah. Yeah. It just replaces the 4K with an 8K.
6: Yeah. Well, they're they're 2K. The the chips are 2K and there's 4K uh, between the two of them.
1: Yeah.
6: And uh, that's just one 8K chip, so it's going to be lower power and cooler. And the piggy piggyback might interfere with the keyboard too. I don't know.
10: Yeah.
0: Okay. I have to say, he's got a really nice, clean photograph with even a bit of blurring the distance here of, of the zoom-up of the board here. It's one of the best photos of an MC-10 motherboard I've seen. Yeah,
6: it, uh, the big thing with... This says NEC on the chips, but the big thing with these are they're harder to find because it's a, it's a different pinout
0: for 2K RAMs for the
6: ones that's in the MC-10. Oh.
0: Okay. Mm. Wasn't so I guess the jury's kind of out as to whether this is an easier upgrade. 8K I
6: was, then, uh, um, well, I think there's more wires on this. Uh, like I said, the other one, it's chip selects.
0: Okay, and uh, you know, no. One thing I want to ask is, you actually know about this, James? Um, I know one reason for doing the eight K upgrade is, and with an additional bit of wiring, you can actually get the VDG to be able to see them. So you can actually right, you use can the higher a modes, high so mode. three and four. What 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 is he talking about here? Would that do that, or would that just? leave it this to will 4K. do that this should oh, well. do that okay so it's a way to get your p mode 3 and p mode 4 working on an mc10 the well.
6: main thing is that you're if you look at the 6847 which is on the right there he's mm-hmm. got additional wires going to it for the uh uh you you see go under that capacitor or whatever yeah that's that's for the additional address line from the 6847 so it sees
0: so you can use all 8k for video memory instead of just the first 4k
6: Mm, well you can use 6k but <laughs> that's the well, yeah. well, no I, get, yeah. I
0: you know you could technically do like page flipping between them or can you do page flipping on no nope. you cannot
6: move the page
0: that's right yeah it's you,
6: you would have to have additional hardware to be able to do that sort of thing
12: okay. wasn't there an 8k upgrade that uh, made uh, graphics sparks and stuff you know um, if you i have no idea what you're
6: talking about uh,
12: <laughs> one of the first 8K extra memory you can put in on MC10. Back a ways in time. It's the one that um, Steve Strove got.
0: and then Yeah, that's the one that does the extra video RAM so you can get the higher graphics mode. Right, but didn't that
12: have trouble with when you use the 20K pack or whatever? Or didn't uh, it? yeah. Well,
6: there, there's a conflict in, in the
12: addresses.
6: Yeah. But. Um, they should both be delivering the same thing, so other than a little extra noise or something on some of the lines, I would think...
8: Yeah, my MC-10 had that problem, works. and I just had to change one of the lines to grounding it rather than where
0: it was hooked up, and
8: it took care of that. Yeah. Conflict. Okay, so there's a fix.
0: Okay, cool. Glad you experts are on the panel, because I know nothing about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> experts. <laughs> or, or anything at all, if you ask some of the people on the panel. Okay, a couple of Dragon ones here. Uh Wayland, who's actually in the chat, uh, did a couple of Mandelbrot sets. Uh The first one, and this is part of the 8-bit Battle Royale. This was done with uh, comparisons to some of the more modern remakes of 8-bit machines, like the Spectrum Next and what was the other one? The Commander X16, I think, is the 8-bit guys. But of course, those are running much more modern FPGA-based systems, kind of emulating stuff, uh, so of course they run way faster. But it was kind of interesting seeing how the different basics compared, you know, for drawing out Mana So Now, the first one he does here is an actual text version, rendering it with actual text characters. Then he did a semi-graphics version. Now, this is one that I actually had done a video of uh, based on I'm running it on the Cocoa 3, um, which did it pretty good timing-wise, I think, compared to the rest of them here. So I'll just... Uh, I won't run the whole thing here, but...
6: Actually, I posted...
0: Um, yeah, you posted tech... multiple ones we've covered. I, I t- show, too. Well, I,
6: d- <laughs> I posted Drill Mana the, you know, graphics ones, but I did the text one recently with the uh, 6309 control and the hardware multiply patch.
5: Okay. So that should be on
6: one of the last, I don't know, five posts or so.
5: I don't think I've ever seen a text-based Mandelbrot generator. This is fascinating.
6: (laughs) That's actually, that's originally back to oh geez
5: that's been a real long time That oh, like the original ones back in the day like in the, you know, the 70s I guess probably were text based huh uh,
6: okay. I don't know that they were doing Mandelbrot's yet in the 70s but um, when they first started doing them someone tried to do it with text huh. interesting
0: cool and here's the more standard one we're using just the semi graphics blocks basically a 32 by 16 screen to render it that way And this is one where you took the code and you actually basically duplicated. So when I did my Base 9 version, I did add some stuff at the beginning. Like I have it print out the date and time so you can figure out, you know, how long it took to run the entire thing. And I also set up so it's on the right type of a window to draw it on because on OS 9, of course, you would be running in any graphics mode or something too. So you want to make sure you're doing something consistent. So that's what the graphic one looks like. And this is actually my Basic 9 version. Now, this is not the latest Basic 9 with some further patches to speed things up, but... Uh, and this is running out of 40 columns, so you can see. It's also a double speed, of course, because the Cocoa 3 is running at 1.78, but you can see it's a little bit faster than the other ones.
6: No, that's it basically took under compiled, a minute. though, right? What's that? That is compiled, right?
0: Nope. That's running in raw in the base 9 interpreter. Which, actually, if I remember correctly... Like, here's the actual listing, so I haven't packed it or yeah, anything.
6: I, well, I thought... BASIC 9 did compile it to like an i code they called when it when
0: you when you pack it you have to type pack first and it strips comments and a bunch of line numbers and stuff out there but I didn't do that that was running right in the interpreter part of BASIC okay
1: so
6: it wouldn't be harder hard to be faster than Microsoft BASIC
0: <laughs> I think
6: we discussed this
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think we got. To,
0: I think we got Stevie to rage quit the show over discussing it, didn't we? Or is that sure, something? Yeah. That, you know? we we
6: got sidetracked there a bit.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 anyway, I, I thought this was a good way to segue into my next thing, which actually was not on the news that everybody else has uh, got shared. Though some people do know from private. Um, as of late, late last night, after I finished some work stuff here, I've actually released uh, Ease of Use Version One. We're out of beta officially. What? So you can actually go onto my page here, and you can oh, see right here. You can go it download of it. Abuse. Yeah. I didn't bother upgrading any of the screenshots because I just was running out of time. <laughs> but not too much has changed anyway. Um, right now, we've currently got the 6809, 6309, and then the 6809, 6309 Gimme X versions. This does include the new base 9 and Run-B packages that actually have some optimized math for both CPUs. As far as I know, this is the first modifications to the Baseco 9 code itself to speed it up since the original 1980 release by Motorola and (coughs) MicroWare. There's also a ton of other stuff added in, um, including some stuff like the control program version 3 from Fred, who's actually on the panel. Uh, We've also got uh, the new DCC compiler, which has a bunch of additional features, which I won't go into here, thanks to Jeff uh, Tennyson. We've also got a whole bunch of... uh, Jim Gary stuff. So he supplied some Level 1 and Level 2 programs. Uh, quite a few games, but some other stuff, serious stuff too, including an astronomy program that will interest Ron. Yay! Um, uh, and now me, if I'm into that too. <laughs> <laughs> if you're running the Level 1 stuff, I will warn you, because of trying to maintain backwards compatibility with Level 1, you can pretty well run only one BDG-based graphic program at a time, or you'll run out of system RAM. So if you launch one of those, make sure you exit before you try running another one. If you're running some of the standard Level 2 stuff, like he's got a text-based split ball and some other stuff on there too. Those you can run just fine. Uh, also, there's uh, Todd Wallace. He's given us a permission to include the Coco IRC ch- chat. So if it, these will require DriveWire, these two here. Uh, the Coco IRC chats, you can actually really log into the IRC chat and actually talk to other Coco users from your Coco going through DriveWire. And hopefully that will be updated for some of the uh, uh, network cards, like the stuff that uh, Rick Eulen's working on. And also his uh, Cocoa Weather programs on there, too. And now that's been expanded a little bit, so it has both a text mode, where it'll actually print stuff with text characters, and or you can run on a graphic font with some custom things for your now, degree now symbol this, and this stuff. this right? What's that?
12: This is not WeFax, right? No,
0: no, this is pulling <laughs> it from a specific website I came out of the top of my head. It's in the documentation.
6: He just had to. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but, but he also has a new graphic mode, which he kind of previewed on the show before. We'll actually have, like, a symbol for clouds and a symbol for sun or whatever and then the actual temperatures you can tell it if you want it in metric or in, in fahrenheit you can tell it to update it every 10 seconds etc so that's included as well so there's also uh my version of kokodal which is the port of wordle that rick adams had done now i didn't bother updating mine with all the updates rick was doing all the time so mine's probably about the equivalent of his third version or something but that's on there if you want to play that um written in base 9 source code included Space App by Floyd Resler, which is based on the arcade game. That's on there too, so it's another Floyd Resler game to go along with GemQuest. And just to let you know, this one here, GemQuest, that's another Floyd Resler game. So that's another game you can play on there. Here you can see the demo I showed at Coco Fest, and also when we were on the Amigos channel, where actually I was playing Rogue and running the uh, you know graphic demo that comes with Multiview, and running a Basic Nine program all on the same screen at the same time, so what? showing you real multitasking. And then here I was playing Rogue, a shell, and Zone Render at the same time. Um, so some of those stuff that was included and some you know demos and games and stuff, whatever. The one other thing, um, Bill Ngo will be working when he gets time on getting the Matchbox whoops, getting the Matchbox version released, that's not ready yet. Michael Furman is going to be working on the coco 3 FPGA version in fact I just sent him the final one late last night too, I don't know if he's had a chance to look at it yet, but that should be coming shortly it'll be supplied on his site or I'll, I'll probably end up putting a direct link to it from here too. And I think there's another version. Is it the one that works with x that requires the IDE driver? Because the XWar, unlike the other emulators, doesn't use an MU disk style thing where it's just kind of a fake hard drive interface. <clears throat> it actually emulates a uh, side IDE, basically. And uh, x require requires that driver. So I think, I can't remember, I think it's Mike actually will be working on that, too. Uh, so that really should be coming out so you can actually play with x as well. As it currently stands, the versions here will work on a real Cocoa with an SDC, or it will work on MAME or VCC or OVCC. And uh, definitely want to get some feedback from you guys, but see what you guys think. It's it's meant to be the first, you know, officially stable version. It's been pretty stable for a while. I haven't had too many crashes with it. It's got some bug fixes, et it. There's a ton of stuff in there.
12: But uh, go, you, go grab it. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate yep. all the hard work.
0: And, and, Rick Ulan, this includes that official fix for handling the keyboard and the mouse for selecting menu stuff here so you can finally release Web Wrangler to the public?
6: Yes, definitely. Thank you, even if we never use it.
14: <laughs> Wait, <laughs> way to help me plug it there, yeah, Jim.
1: <laughs>
12: that is thanking them on one hand and slapping them on the other. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
2: This is- That's how we roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that one change, though, was actually huge because hotkeys never actually worked before.
0: Yeah, they were kind of mentioned in the manual and they never did work.
2: Well, the, If the menu was open already, they worked. But if you had to use your mouse to open the menu, I would use the hotkey.
0: Yeah. So yeah.
2: it was like a the cart before the horse. So this is going to make a big change. You can just write programs now where you don't have to worry about if you have a menu or not. So, yep. cool.
0: I, the main concentration, I had this one. There's a few bug fixes, a couple of utilities, and like I said, some of the games and stuff too. But my main concentration was working on base 9. That's going to be ongoing. Basically, I was optimizing math routines, uh, integer and floating point. I was bringing run B <laughs> on the 6 or 9 up to where base 9 was. So a lot of the speed optimizations are in there. That can be. I think Fred, you were doing some testing. It's about twelve to thirteen percent faster than the one program you tried.
5: Yeah, that's right. The Mandelbrot program that I demonstrated last week, I uh, I compared, uh, you know, um, the, the the new Run B versus the old Run B, and I saw about a twelve percent increase in speed.
0: Nice. Yeah. Right. And <clears throat> I managed to wrangle a one to three percent speed increase on some of the six nine stuff. So. Now that's if you're doing nothing but math. So if you're actually like drawing stuff or doing stuff based on math, of course the other code's going to take some time. So you're not going to see a one to three percent speed increase in your program, uh, but it'll be a slight increase. And I'm going to see if I can sneak some other stuff out of there too. So I'm hoping to get the six eight oh nine a little bit faster too. And to be honest, six eight oh nine base nine is pretty pretty fast. It's pretty pretty decent on its own. So anyway, that, that that's the surprise that that this got released late last night. Uh, this is the first public mention. I got to go start hitting up all the Facebook groups and retro groups and stuff here to let them know that it's all out. And then we're officially out of beta because I did get some people that I thought would be interested in trying it over the last couple of years. And they said, I don't do beta software. I don't trust anything that's beta. It might wreck my machine. Okay, oh, come on. It's, it's now not beta anymore officially. So go grab it and uh, we'll see if you crash my computer because it's getting hit too hard.
1: Because <laughs> it's
0: hosted on this machine too. <clears throat> And that is the end of the news for today.
10: Oh, good.
2: Get
0: his server
13: at once. Where are we going to be?
1: <laughs> Look, now.
10: What are uh, we now?
13: I, uh, I had, um, you know, earlier I said that uh, Rick Osterpower is looking for a Rick Osterpower. He, yep. must, uh, he must be watching the show because I got an email right after it. And he <laughs> sent me another address, and I sent him the file. Well, that that one guy—the one guy in YouTube was kind of hinting that he was he was him, so that's why I was wondering if you check. Right, it. yeah. So he—that's <laughs> uh, problem solved.
10: Ah. What a great game.
13: Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> so Nick, we we'll probably check on my order too. Uh, let me see. I'll just see if yours was one of the. Oh yeah, yours was one of the ones in the in the five or six that were uh, delayed. It's been shipped out just yesterday. Okay, but uh... <coughs> email. Uh, Curtis, I sent you the files. Uh, Look in your spam.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Those in my spam for some. Reason. Everything
8: from Nick always goes in the spam folder. We're... You
0: know, <laughs> normally it
8: would.
7: Belong. That's that's
0: part of standard filtering, right?
7: <laughs> <laughs> I'll check, but spamals gets deleted.
13: Okay, I will check. I just like I said, I just uh, got back home.
1: <coughs>
13: yeah. I'll, I'll send. Sorry, I'll send you an email now, just to be sure, and and check it. You'll know that it was sent, and uh, where it goes, who knows? Was it, <laughs> was it Cox or e, or a Gmail? Uh, Let me look up the... I'll find you on the list here somewhere. While they're doing this, I'll run a commercial. Let's see here.
11: Hi, Retro Tech Heads. Data Soup here. You're watching Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer and proudly Patreon sponsored by RetroTechTime.com.
3: Hey guys, it's Stevie Stro, and if you've been watching Coco Talk for a while, hopefully you understand that everyone is welcome to join this show. You don't need an impressive resume to get on. You just need to enjoy the Coco. And be willing to talk about it. There is no wrong way to cocoa. There is no wrong way to be a fan of the Coco. There's no wrong way to be on Coco Talk. You just have to want to talk Coco. So if you would like to join us, then reach out to us on our Discord server, which is discord.cocotalk.live. Or send an email to Talk at cocotalk.live. And let's get you on the show and let's talk about the cocoa. of switching your joystick between the left and right port? Want to change between different controllers? Well, Joey has got you covered. The Joey controller switch. Take control of your controllers with the flip of two switches. Order today at CocoMan.biz.
2: The time has come to unite the world under one nation, an 8-bit nation, a neon green nation, the Cocoa Nation. The Coco Nation Show, coming soon. Disc
1: image
0: is one of the support PDFs. Oh. Oh. Oh, okay, sorry yeah, when I download files I verify that all the zip files and that one seems to have a um, CRC error that's weird, I, I used a 7 zip for that, so why would it hmm. that, should, that should self-check when it's creating a file
10: alright, we're back so I have a question for Mark B
0: Yes.
10: how was your vacation day?
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. On the road.
10: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Just made it back home, as you can tell behind me here.
10: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought that was a chroma cr- chroma screen. <laughs>
7: no. So. so I um, got all my laundry to do now that I would have done last night. So this. the test stream is done, and we can now have the show. <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> the dr- <laughs> the dress the rehearsal. Give me a minute, I'll Ms. be, be- <laughs>
10: Alright, have we covered everything? Are we ready to run the outro, or do we have something else? Outro?
2: I just got
0: here. I got my room. I
10: thought
0: that was an outro you were playing, or was that just an ad break?
1: (laughs) Uh,
10: That was an ad break. So, yeah, I need to order my uh, Jumping Joey so that I can get my cool uh, uh, cellophane (laughs) box.
0: I I guess one thing I'd like to ask for the people that are directly involved... Uh, with, you know, setting up the new show, et cetera, here. Like, uh, I know the show is officially transitioning the first show in January. And we're taking some time off Christmas. It'll be good for testing some of this stuff and kind of getting, you know, buns out your notes, et um, But how how are we coming along with getting everything all set up and, you know, accounts all moved and that kind of stuff? Like, is there a status report or update? Like, I know the p- Patreon got delayed a little bit for a bit. I remember Check Grant this
7: out, Curtis. Sloopy streamed the show today. That's okay. kind of a big hint. That's kind of a big hint how the uh, the setup has been going.
0: Okay, no, I was wondering like like the Patreon and the PayPal and some of the stuff that sounded like it was okay, getting delayed. Patreon got, is open.
7: The okay, uh, the cool. PayPal and the Patreon are, are done. Uh, basically, we've had the test stream on the new setup, and that worked. Uh, all the accounts and things like that, with all their mandatory hold times and validations and whatever, seem to be done. Um, we're we're just right now in the middle of the transition, and so far so good. And even when uh, you know Streamer Prime decides to go have a vacation day, <laughs> <laughs> how dare <laughs> And uh, and here we go. And Sloopy, I think that uh, I know it probably felt horrible and frustrating, but I thought it came out actually pretty dang good. For uh, what? No dress rehearsal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, the only issue I heard everybody I saying was that rest. echo, which kind of got solved later on too. So. I yeah.
10: yeah. I was one. Wa- I was wondering about uh, you saying that I was streaming the show, whether that was a compliment or insult. So.
11: <laughs> uh, we had I a could, show, man. Yeah. yeah. I guess I could. I I can add a little bit to that. We did um, simulcast this, so it's been on the uh, I am a coconut talk. Uh, and Coco Talk stream as well as the new channels. Uh, we have the website is bringing these, uh, live ones and all of our videos just directly on it as well. So that's the Coco dot com. Uh, hey, cool. We have a Facebook group, group page and book, which is also showing, uh, the live videos. Twitch is running. We are now on Twitter and it is also pushing out, uh, all these videos. Instagram, um, that one is not pushing live, but, uh, we're working on that. Podbean, uh, is, is getting there. Um, we are on the Apple podcasts, iHeartRadio, TikTok, MeWe, and Spotify are generated and, uh, we will be starting to push to those real soon.
0: Cool. And how about uh, media stuff like, you know, new splash pages and intros that, you know, have to get the name replaced?
5: Yeah, we're, uh, yeah we need a new intro, huh? Uh,
11: yeah, we're definitely working on that. Uh, we've got uh, um, actually some of the uh, previous people that uh, um, worked on the original ones. In addition, some in the community are actually stepping up and sending in all kinds of uh, images. Uh, Ron Delo, uh Ken Reichert, um Mark Siegel. Mark Siegel. Uh, yep. He's actually, uh, he's been, he sent quite a few, um, De Bruce. We've had quite a few different people sending stuff. So eventually I think what we'll do is like for the logo. Um, I know it was a really rushed transition to try to get this working. You don't say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're going to actually uh, hopefully slow down that, the logo process and, Actually, give it out to the community. Um, probably through Discord and Facebook are our two main, um, um, I guess, streams <laughs> for social networking at the moment. Maybe We. and we'll uh, we'll have everybody vote um, on what the community would like to see because this this is a community um, show, not just you know one or two individuals. This is yeah. going to be
0: everybody's so Honestly, it has been for a while. So it's it's yeah, good because yep. everybody stepped up to the plate here when, when all this happens. So it has been awesome. The, the whole group's been awesome and um, in fact, I will blame all of that for ease of use being a couple of days late
6: <laughs> <laughs> and having a bad file.
0: <laughs> well I gotta check that there. I' I'm, I'm, I'm kind of involved, baffled how it didn't report a serious error when creating it because it's supposed to check it as it creates.
5: So, Curtis, when is EOU 1.1 coming out?
1: (laughs) I don't know.
0: Depending on how many bugs, and there's one bug I know I have to fix, actually two, because you mentioned one with a Winful via EFIO utility pack. And then there's one CoBDG bug I haven't had a chance to fix yet. But it's not a fatal one like the first two that I fixed. Um, So either we're going to go for a 1.0.1 release if it's just minor fixes and changes, Maybe an additional program or two that didn't quite make it in time. Or it might be a one point one point oh if there's some you know more major changes. And that depends partly on Bill's schedule getting back to normal, because I know he had some stuff that he'd started, but hasn't had a chance to complete yet. So it'll it'll depend.
11: I'd I'd also like to mention uh there's been quite a few questions on why Cocoa Talk is ending. Um I, I know Steve was on last episode. I think we're gonna try to cut that piece out of last week's episode and put that up as a separate video just so everybody can go kind of That's listen to idea, it for themselves yeah. and uh um understand um you know p- part of the reasoning for the name change and and uh yeah
0: and then it's from the horse's mouth too so you're not hearing our interpretation you're actually hearing it right from mm-hmm. Stevie exactly to- yeah i yeah. agree so
11: I, I either grant or i'll get that done here asap Sorry, I don't have it done yet. It's been a nutty week.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, the reason I ask is I know like we've got a lot of internal discussions on the Discord, like Alan was mentioning stuff here, too, and I do know some of the stuff that I've been asking. But for the general audience, they have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. So I just want to make sure that everybody's kind of kept up to date as to what's going on and get it recorded as part of the show so that people know. You bet. And we'll,
11: we'll start putting out as much as we can. I have been putting some stuff out on Facebook as far as the links and things and Discord. So um, if anybody, uh, has any suggestions, ideas, please put them out there. We'll, um, we, all the help we can get would be awesome.
0: Yeah. The, the only issue I've hit, and it's not your fault at all, it's a stupid meta crap that Facebook's doing here. Cause when I log into my phone, it, it wants me to be an administrator and download a separate app to even respond to somebody's post. Yet if I do on the computer, it'll ask, do you want to respond as yourself as a user or do you want to respond as an administrator, which is what it should be doing on the on the app on the on the phone? Because you know, half the time I'm on the phone you know, responding because I'm not here, I don't have access to a computer, and it's just it's kind of silly. I'm almost was really ready to ask you guys to take me off as administrator just so I can respond to posts on there as a
1: normal. I agree. Human being.
11: It, I don't like how they did it. YouTube also they've changed kind of their URL structure now. You it has the at symbol in front of. Uh, you know it used to be like i think it was youtube.com/ slash, you know, whatever your channel yeah. name now it added the at symbol in front of it and
0: of course that confuses people um when you Well another thing to, that youtube did is it used to have if you clicked on like i went on the i'm a coconut page i wanted to i wanted to <laughs> reference an old episode so i usually click on videos and it gives a list in you know chronological reverse order like here's all the recent shows and now all of a sudden most of the go talk stuff is gone and i'm going what the heck And then when I took a look, you have to click on live because it shows you old live streams. Then it does the chronological live streams, but the regular page no longer shows all the original live streams because it used to show both. So that gave me. I agree, and I don't like.
1: They
11: they've they've made a kind of a mess out of it. (laughs) So we'll uh, That I guess that's one other thing I'll mention. We are going to be receiving the old episodes and and interviews from Coco Talk from Steve. We're going to import those. They will also be on the new youtube channel as well so um if you are on or trying to look up an old episode you'll be able to actually get to it on both channels and steve was going to point back to the coco nation um from his channels just so people aren't confused going forward so we will have all that as soon as we get the the info so sorry the the uh Interim's a little confusing, but I think we're we're starting to equalize a little bit.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, it's obviously another reason that we're going to take the you know the last what would have been the last two shows of, of 2022 and and not go in the air because I think we want to try to get all the stuff cemented away, do some tests, and make sure we're not scrambling to do it. You know, as the transition, we want the transition to go as smooth as possible. So I think it's just to you know give ourselves some breathing space. Plus, we we deserve a holiday after five years, don't Except maybe Mark. He took a holiday day today. Ready, so he's he's off. <laughs> <work>.
6: <laughs> a likely story. Mark, you just got
0: to do what I do. You just have to stay up longer and, and get less sleep.
10: Yeah, I'm glad that you uh, brought that up because there's a lot of people that have head. been talking about it. So, I've noticed that in other uh, like in other discords that are related, they have been asking what happened, what's going on and such, and it yeah. seems it's question I know the Eagles, there was a big discussion
0: in there, like, what, what? what yeah. Why is this happening?
10: Yeah, and the thing yeah. is that it doesn't really fully answer the question of what's going on, why, and all that. I mean, it, it covers the, 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 the top of the iceberg, but not down low, and everyone wa- seems to want to dig deep. Yeah,
8: and the other thing, just to confirm for people... Discord, as it is, is
11: not going to change, because that's not controlled by anybody else but me.
0: <laughs> Which is a scary thought in <laughs> itself. But... All hail David uh... All hail David <laughs> <God>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think the only thing changing is the name of some of the channels to reflect the name change. But mm. All the billion channels you can't find anything on now are still there. Still
2: there, and they still don't have anything on them. Mm-hmm.
0: Hey, 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 the fu- the search function does work in Discord. Not well, it sucks. It's like trying to search for crap on Facebook. You know, this I've been is trying not to use the search chart, function, as you guys have been mentioning it here, and it finds stuff that has nothing to do with what I'm looking for.
10: It's sort of like trying to find a, c- a capacitor I dropped on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, if you look hard enough and constantly get down on your hands and knees and go over it with a uh, flashlight, yeah, eventually you will find it. But it takes a while.
11: You
0: it in your need. Walk around yeah.
11: your socks, you'll find
0: it. Yep. I mean, honestly, i probably got to learn. There's probably some hidden search features, syntax, for doing certain things that I want to do that I probably just need to learn. But just typing in a subject can, is finding stuff from 2017 or something i have no interest in. You can actually
9: filter by user and, I think, channel and
0: a couple other things. Well, if you remember what channel it was in that you're looking for, and you remember what user posted, it, which I usually don't, that doesn't help me at all, Mark.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, that's true. That's true.
10: yeah, and even then it doesn't even work because I I searched for a word, a unusual word that I know was said, and the only way I found it was I knew which channel it was uh, said in, and I scrolled back a year and a yeah, half if I found it myself. So
0: it, it well, does we, find some things that, uh, occasionally. I, I should say yeah. it's not you know, it's not completely garbage, but it. it it's hit or miss.
10: Yeah, it seems it seems best optimized for the last three months or so, and that's about it. Yeah, Anything beyond kind of that, you're team. you're pretty much
8: Maybe. so. I, I did find that post from Terry Steen about what he's doing right now, if, in case you're <coughs> curious. Yeah, please please let me know. It just says, um, well, Mr. Dave was uh, feature creeping him on the game. <laughs> And uh, he said, ha, I'm actually deep into an assembly project, not a game that will occupy me for months. I'm considering redoing my catalog for fun once the project is finished. So much to make better. So is that a COCO assembly language project he's working on? He didn't say. He just said he's working on an assembly project. That's okay. not a game.
10: Okay. Okay. Our, uh...
5: Are we he's done? Porting, he's porting Excel to the Cocoa or something.
0: We already have done a couple no, Excel.
5: That's <laughs> no, good. Yeah, it's true. Um, true. Uh, maybe uh, Outlook, then. There we go.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I have nothing more to add today. Uh, I did get a, I will mention one thing. I got a private message from Boat saying that uh, he actually did have something he was going to announce a little bit later, but then he had to go. So, unfortunately, I didn't catch that until way late. He said it, like, half an hour before I noticed. COVID-19. He should have so, said apologies. something to me. Well, hopefully we'll have him on next week, to whatever that announcement is.
10: Ah, we'll get him back in here. Let's get this announcement. <laughs> but, alright. Uh, the only announcement that I have left before we run the outro is uh, I want to say hello to our new viewer today, uh, Lone Star 69 who just joined the uh, Discord the day before yesterday, and He's watching the show now, so I want to show a, uh, a sense of community and say hi to him. And uh, we are out of here. As soon as I
3: find the button for the. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer MC10 and Dragon systems. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at CocoTalk Live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to CocoTalk at CocoTalk.live. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click on the Patreon link on our website, CocoTalk.live. Cocoa Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Alan Murphy, Amigos Retro Gaming, Bill Noble, Brian Joyce, Brian Weaver, Curtis Boyd, D. Bruce Moore, Danny O'Connor, David Lag, Eric Canalis, George Jansen, Grant Leedy, James Diffendapper, Jason Riker, Jim Brain, Ken Riker, Ken Waters, Mark Bosley, Mark Overholzer, Mikey Furman, Mr. Dave6309, Nick Morentes, Nick Moroda, Nick Moroda, Nick Moroda, Paul Fiscarelli, Richard Lorbieski, Rick Adams, Rick Ulin, Rob Inman, Ron Delvaux, Samuel Gimes, Sloopy Malibu, Steve Bjork, Terry Steggy, Tom C., and many, many more. Please help support the Coco community. A list of various contributors and resources are available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T.com. The original Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. The new Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2020 by D. Bruce Moore. Both are mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Coco Forever!
10: Welcome back. And is there anything anyone wants to say uh, before we go?
0: Thank you, Sloopy. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much, Sloopy. It was pretty, it's pretty, pretty, pretty smooth, all given this first time you actually hosted the whole show. Yeah,
10: I uh, well, I've wanted to do it for or wanted to offer to do it for a while, but I needed a new video card in my computer, and finally, someone uh, kindly donated something newer so that I could. So. And
0: you, you figured out the audio issue and how to solve it, I think, partly through the show, where I understand correctly?
10: Yeah, just
2: uh, put a mute on me.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I was listening on Twitch
13: before I uh, came back on. And yeah, it was, the echo was coming and going. I think it was uh, coming through Snoopy's mic.
10: Yeah, I'll uh, look for a way to uh,
3: rectify that better.
13: Uh, super amplified headphones?
10: Uh, I was,
2: yeah. <laughs> I was playing with running Zoom for restream and came up with some stuff. I'll have to go look at my notes to send it to you. I okay. think I found it my Zoom shut up <laughs> so that it doesn't echo back into the stream.
10: Yeah. Well, the problem is is that my, my speakers is like a, a 2.1 system with two speakers and a uh, and a sub. And right. I have a Blue Yeti microphone, which is really sensitive. So it's right, right. probably just you're reading it
2: system sound and microphone sound both coming back I, it was really messed up so I it's almost like your speakers problems. need to be well in front of your microphone so that speakers are, you know it's, it's, it's not, not your speakers like... it's it's the restream audio and the zoom audio which are off time by the time it takes to send a restream right so right so you, you can mute zoom somehow i right? was
12: <laughs>
0: also interested to if it makes sense
10: yeah uh, well, those, Everything's gonna saying
0: in the chat here, Karen, I, if anyone on the panel has been playing chip tunes, something was injecting those into the stream at a really low level. Uh
10: huh.
1: What's a chip tune?
10: Yeah, music on an old eight bit uh, sound card. Yeah, uh, eight bit sound card
1: or something. Eight
0: bit weapon. Yeah, I, I wasn't trying to listen to the stream too often, well, I did listen a couple times quickly just to hear the the echoing effect that they were talking about, but I didn't I didn't catch that bigger thing.
1: It, like, made it really, really deep.
10: Yeah. Well, you're... Mark, you're really low anyway, so... Yeah.
0: Oh, I you're, can help you fix that. Yeah,
10: you're pretty quiet. Yeah, you sound like you're out in the
0: field.
1: <laughs> but
0: looks like Ken's getting the cat treatment. Yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for mine to wake right. up and come after me here, too, for food or something, so... is that even better? <laughs>
10: Oh, yeah, much better. That sounds like your normal voice.
0: Yeah. I just had to, had to tweak, uh, tweak it
11: because I don't normally do zoom on this computer. I'm doing it
10: on my second one. Yeah. yeah. I don't do a lot with sound because I have hearing issues. And usually when I have things playing, people complain that I can hear that all through the house. It's too loud. Turn it down. <laughs> so.
7: You the
8: a hearing aid.
10: I would love to, but I can't. Huh? The insurance will cover the hearing aid, but they won't cover the four thousand dollars in uh, in testing that I need done because part of the problem is not just hearing the sound, but processing the sound, which requires a, a DSP.
0: So, Ron, is that the brand new you're running there? It's up. Okay, yeah. go to apps.
1: <laughs>
0: <coughs> go to go to the apps folder, Ron.
2: And uh, while he's doing that,
13: Nick, I did find the emails. It was in the spam ah. folder. now nah, they got on your Gmail account. Yep. Yeah, there, there, there you, you go.
0: No, that, that, unless you got DriveWire all set up, that oh, won't work right now. Okay. So. Let's mention the docs. But there should be a sat or something.
12: Yeah, Sat.
0: Yeah. That's the one I, that was I was specifically thinking of you. Oh, I did see that. I did notice that.
5: Is that... Does that show like the positions of Jupiter's moons or something? or uh... Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, over the span of time. So you can actually see how the orbits would look if you're looking through binoculars or telescope. Oh, nice. Okay, cool.
5: Oh,
12: cool.
0: Well, I And aware. on the bottom, you can actually see the position you'd see through the yeah. telescope dipping. Neat. Figured you'd like that one.
12: Oh, yeah.
0: WWE. <laughs>
5: <laughs> so i have a i have a comment to make before you guys go um so i i don't want are we to still on the air in-
8: first one yeah we're on the we're on the air we're,
5: we're still on the air?
8: on the air yeah we should probably yeah. say okay. our goodbyes
5: and have our private discussion right after that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's wait till we're not on the air
8: <laughs> bye
10: everybody okay. okay bye everybody bye.